This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Kaylee, Danielle, Damasaurus, Taco Cat, The Number Jeff, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Matthew, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know that you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community. And if you want to hang out with all of us, do so in the Facebook group and Discord server where we talk legit daily. Except for Mikey, he doesn't talk in the Discord server because he doesn't know how technology works. You are correct, sir. <laughs> I love how when I make that joke, you make a reference that makes you seem like you're 75 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's like almost as old as Ed Warren in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. But this week we have a guest, Armando Torres. Yay! Yay! Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Mondo, you wanted to come on because you came to our L.A. meetup. Yes. And you had a great, great time watching The Conjuring, and you Mm -hmm. loved it. You you had so many positive (laughs) things to say about it. You were like, I have to come on and talk about how much I loved this movie. That's what I heard. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what you got right. I definitely saw it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's about it. That's, That's the end of the list. So it was the first time for all of us seeing this movie, clearly, because it just came out. Right. And anyone who has HBO can see it. You don't have to go to the theater to see it. So hopefully everyone's seen it at this point, because we will be spoiling it. It was the number one movie at the box office this weekend. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm surprised it beat Quiet Place 2, but Quiet Place 2's already been out for That's a week. what I was going to say. Yeah. And we'll talk about the box office that is available at this point when we get to it at the end of the yeah. episode. But since it was the first time we saw it last night, or I guess you guys, it was... Last night for Mikey and I at the national meetup, it was the night before that. So what did you guys think when we saw it? And how did the meetups go? The meetup went great. Everyone was awesome. It was super fun. We went to Yard House after. Nice. Total blast. Mm. So we went to dinner beforehand and it was it was a blast. We had a lot of a lot of fun at our meetup as well. Yeah. We didn't ha- we didn't get to drink at our meetup because Todd picked a lame place to meet up beforehand. We also were going to the movie. <laughs> I wanted barbecue. That, that's on me. That's my fault. I did want barbecue. I love Hogwood. If there had been a barbecue option, I would have probably chosen yeah, barbecue. It's well. so oh, yeah. good. Anyway. I didn't know what the theater was going to be like. So the theater we went to served alcohol. So did ours. Not only were we drinking before the movie, but we 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 were also drinking during the movie. And I'm glad that I I'm glad that it worked out this way because I didn't I didn't know that there was going to be alcohol. And I told Paige this that before I started driving over, I considered loading my cargo pants up with Trulies. <laughs> just to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love your commitment to the brand. I love it so much. Oh yeah, hold on. Oh, God. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I want to join you tonight. Hold on a second. Ooh. Yeah, Mike is going to get some scotch. Oh, did you see him <laughs> run out of the room? Oh, my <laughs> God. That did was adorable. Fucking T-1000 run out of the fucking I've never <laughs> seen a man that big think they were the Flash while oh running. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought that there would probably be nothing sadder than being kicked out of your own partial meetup for sneaking in <laughs> cans of Truly into a <laughs> They would not have checked. They could not have given less of a fuck. One of our uh, mods was late to ours, and they said, 
they wouldn't let everyone in until everyone was there. And I, I talked to the, I say girl, but she was probably like 18, 19. She was young. And I was like, hey, is it cool if I come out and get our last person? And she looked me in the face and said, I don't care. Yes, yes. <laughs> the exact the exact same thing happened at our meetup where Chris's Uber got delayed or whatever. And yeah. he's like, I swear I will be there like right at six. And I was like, all right, cool. So we send everyone else in and I'm paranoid thinking that they're like not going to let us back in. And I was too. Yeah, same. Yeah, because they were like the email they sent us was like so it stern was, about it. Yeah. And then I talked to the guy. I was like, hey, I got one more person. They're going to be here in like a minute. And he was like, if you just want to hang out here until they get here, that's fine. And I was like, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> Everybody go inside. See you in a bit. Yeah, I could have brought in 10 more people. Like, they would not have cared. Oh, man. All right. Well, what did you guys think about the movie? Armando, why don't you go first? Yeah, because I because I have some, like, laid out luxury thoughts. So you go first. That's so yeah. unlike you, Paige. I know. I also have a, <laughs> I have a pre-prepared uh, speech as well. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything as fancy. I, look, hey, hey, I ain't a fancy pants city movie reviewer, okay? <laughs> Said the movie <laughs> reviewer from L.A. I come to you a humble man who works in the entertainment industry, whose <laughs> apartment gave them a fancy bottle of champagne, who drinks... With a jacket. With a jacket. The, the champagne a jacket. has a jacket. And mango lemonade flavored alcoholic. Oh, it's almost like you sold out there. <laughs> he honestly is talking a lot like a Ouija board I've had a conversation with yeah. in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did not like the movie for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, Paige and I are true crime podcasters. I hate the title, but that is what we are. Yeah. Um, so we are familiar with the actual story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, which is n- nowhere near as fairy tale nice as this is for a number of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, especially with this movie, as I'm sure Paige will get into, so I will only briefly touch on it. Their idea of the satanic panic that happens in the 80s is terrible. It is a absolutely a, a, an atrocity what they tried to make it out to be. Do you mean what the movie tries to make it out to be? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, I agree yes, with that completely. Yes. But I do think that what the movie presents is like the fever dream that the Warrens in real life actually, bo- well. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's what they sold. That was the con they tried to sell. I don't know if yes, they actually yes. believed it, but yeah. If you think of The Conjuring as the story that the Warrens tell everyone else, then the movie becomes a lot more believable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very truly starting with the fact that Ed Warren is a fucking hunk because in no way <laughs> is Ed Warren in real life. In fact, at the end of this movie, in the credits, they show the actors compared to the people that they actually played. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, is that L. Ron Hubbard? (laughs) (laughs) not far off. They show Ed Warren, and in real life, he is this dumpy, doughy, middle-aged man who also, like, not just physically, but emotionally disgusting on the inside as a person. Yeah, because he was terrible to Lorraine, and people, like... Because Lorraine's the one who survived, and she tells the story, and so she only has nice things to say. But that is not the reality. He was no. a womanizing asshole. <laughs> and you think if she was actually a psychic, she should have seen that like before they got married. I mean, you think. Yeah. There's a number of times where her psychic shit does not <laughs> really. Doesn't pan out. Yeah. It's almost like she's not really, and they just scammed people out of money. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so they, they at the end of the movie, they show uh, a picture of Ed Warren as he really was next to the absolute fucking beautiful specimen of a man. Yeah, the horror daddy Patrick Wilson. Yeah, yes. horror daddy. Yeah. They show real Ed and fake Ed next to each other. And in my mind, I'm like, you know what? It's stupid. It's gross. But it's just that's how movies work. Yep. They can't always get somebody that looks exactly like that. And then they show Lorraine versus the actor who plays Lorraine. And they are a one for one. Just <laughs> They exact look exact. Match. And I was like, oh, go fuck yourself, movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, they could have gotten somebody that looked a lot more like Ed Warren. Because Andy Richter exists. Like, they could have had somebody who looked that way act in this movie. Yeah, it, d- it does look like Andy Richter. <laughs> right? One of the biggest problems I had with the movie overall is that other than any time they throw an actual date on the screen in written format, other than that, you cannot tell at any point what time period this movie take pl- takes place in. My only problem with this movie is that it said based on a true story. Oh, yeah. That sort of stuff makes me mad when it's sort of like, yeah, these people exist in real life, but that's sort of like the end of where the true story happens, right? Like, yeah, yeah, someone was murdered in 1981. Someone said the devil made him do it. And then that's it, right? Like that's it's like we're watching literally a legal strategy that the Warrens were involved in for like scam purposes and it's being glorified and they made a shitload of money off of it. And I don't know if Lorraine Warren is still around, but someone got she passed. Yeah. Yeah. So but someone got paid for those life rights. I mean, years and years ago when they were making the original ones, you know. And, but I also understand from like a business studio, like movie studio aspect, I understand why they make these movies because they print fucking money and people yeah. turn out to see these. And I don't, I, I, I think they're decently made movies. They're fine. I honestly am scared by this sort of stuff. And this movie super scared me. Mikey was there and heard me scream in the theater multiple times. We had a bunch of people in there that was, like I would yell and then everyone around me just laughs, which is funny to me, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, it's great to be in a supportive community, you asshats. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Armando thinks that the set and costumes weren't accurate. Yeah, I felt like they were, but I mean, I don't care. I have specific notes about how accurate they were and the fact that they made things that accurate. It just made me more frustrated because The actual account of this story is like, it's like they paid so much attention to the sets and none to the story. And I was just like, why? Why? I want to be very clear that like what I'm what I'm saying about the the, uh, the the time period shit. Every time I watch movies and they're trying to show that it was older, so everyone drives a classic car that is in pristine mint condition. Especially yeah. when it's like it's supposed to take place in the 80s, and they'll show a poorer person driving like a car from like the 60s, and it's still just a pristine. His truck, I think, is what you're referring to specifically, yeah. probably. There's yeah, shit, there's shit like that where they'll they'll have stuff like that. Also, and I know this is I know this is such a stupid thing to make, and I'm actually kind of glad that movies are starting to turn away from this. But with the setting and the time period, I was almost kind of thrown off by how integrated minorities were into the story. As yeah, a whole. that's true. <laughs> well, they, so, like a, they, they, have a, they have a not white doctor and I kept expecting the priest to be like, OK, OK, OK. And what country do you come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the bigger thing for me in this movie is 
the issues with the satanic panic because a this movie a modern day movie that knows the satanic panic was bullshit portrays it as fully real uh and not a con and not an anything they also depict a childhood exorcism as not only ethical but necessary And then on top of all that, the depiction they have of air quotes Satanism is literally just a mishmash of chaos magic and Palo Mayombe and like three or four other things that don't fit together and is fully made up and fictional. And they're like, yeah, this is a real issue in America. We've seen like four or five of these. Yeah, like police departments were like reporting it. Yes, but they were arresting people with no evidence. Like, there are people who are still in prison based on hearsay because of this kind of shit. And so for a movie that comes out modern day to swing that hard at pro-satanic panic, I was just like, what are they doing? I do think that we learned last year that 30% of the country still believes in, like, satanic panic type shit, though. Because that's all, like, the QAnon stuff is now. Like, it's the same thing. They just don't call it satanic panic. It's like, you know, pedophiles and Pizzagate and shit like that. And adrenochrome and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up where in my head I was like, well, in defense of them, it's not as unrealistic. And then I started, like, oh, wait, no. It's absolutely bad. It's absolutely It's honestly the same, like, through lines. Like, pedophilia was a very big thing during the satanic panic. It's the same thing with the QAnon shit. Like, it's it's honestly just a re-envisioning of satanic panic. Which you guys sort of talked about in your QAnon episodes, right? We haven't done QAnon. We we did satanic panic. That's what it was. It wasn't QAnon. It was a satanic panic. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was satanic panic. Guys, listen to that series. It's pretty solid. But here's what's even crazier. So the story behind this movie is real. It is quote unquote based on a true story. But the section of this that they're telling is completely fictional. Yeah, They right. leave out a ton of actual facts. They reference other real cases in this movie that I will talk about when we get to them. Not the West Memphis Three. They didn't. Re- they didn't reference those. No, but they reference something worse that actually doesn't serve their point. And I will bring it up when like it comes up. But they go through all of this shit. It's fully fictional, but they're using these real people's names. Like they're these are actual people. Someone was actually murdered through no fault of their own. And there's just a movie about it that depicts him as a drunk asshole. Oh, and depicts his murderer as a good Christian man. Yeah. I have some notes about both. And so, like, and I'll cover a lot of that in fun facts, but a lot of people, when these criticisms have come out over the last week, have been like, well, it's a movie. Like, we know that Ed and Lorraine weren't honest, and it's just a movie. But I will argue that Conjuring 2 which is also based on a real story. Yeah, the Enfield poltergeist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Enfield poltergeist case. A large part of Conjuring 2 stays pretty faithful to the facts until the end. Was that your first episode, Paige? That is my first episode. Yeah, that was a great day for Horror Virgin. Sorry. It was a great day for the world. (laughs) It was a great day for the world. Conjuring 2 definitely overstates the Warrens' influence in that case, but they keep a lot of the, like, bones of that case in place. Yeah. This movie disregards everything. It is the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case in name only. 
like nothing else about it is real and it's kind of offensive how bad it got but at the same time it's fun to watch like i hate saying okay. that. that's sort of my take on it like i feel the same way about this movie that i felt about every other conjuring movie and like the amityville horror and all movies that are based on like con artistry which is a, yeah. a, there's a lot of them out there like all of them suffer from the same problem that we're sort of talking about now yeah they did the one thing that would have made me like a conjuring movie better and toned down the makeup and ah. i loved it <laughs> the, the jump scares were actually almost closer to effective for me because they didn't look like fucking juggalos and i am here for it i 100 percent agree with that and i just noticed that now you said it the person who's wearing the most makeup in this movie is the nun painting at the very very end in their room or ed warren <laughs> I have two things. You want, me to, you want me to start with the movie or the meetup? Let's do meetup. Well, I just want to say I was very humbled at the meetup and very awkward because I was not expecting that. Yeah, so I didn't want to bring that up, Mikey, because I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. Oh, I'll talk about it. I, I want to apologize. I like froze. Mikey straight up froze when he saw how many people actually showed up. He was like, oh, my God. Because Mikey, uh, and I was talking about this with Natalie on the way home. I was like, I don't think Mikey, because he doesn't really care about the download numbers, he just doesn't, I don't think he knows the reach the podcast has, and then when it was standing in front of him, he was uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I gotta tone it down. <laughs> also, it wasn't a great thing to bring someone on a fourth date to. Yeah, I think that was really a part of that too, of uh, watching people talk about it on the internet as I'm on my date was like a, a weird thing. Yeah, there was someone, I'm not going to out them, but there was someone who was at dinner with us giving a play-by-play -play of Mikey's <laughs> fourth date with this girl to everyone on the internet. It was like things like, no, she's really cute. She's funny. Oh my God, they're holding hands now. They're like, no, don't worry. He'll ghost her. It was like, I was like, oh, oh yeah. no. She's way too pretty for Mikey. Like stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was your actual opinion, Tyler. <laughs> no, she, is, she is too pretty for me. She's no, she's not. Mikey, I have called Mikey a soft 10 before and I stand by that. He is a soft 10. What I didn't like about Mikey's date was how I could never tell like what age range she was. Like her car oh, was man. too pristine. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I like turned to her and I was like, this has got to be the weirdest date you've ever been on. And I just want to thank you for, you know, this was a good, we've shared a lot of good times together so far. Um, it's nice knowing you. I, I know. <laughs> it's like, this is weird. She was just like, you're not even the first successful podcaster I've dated. Maybe. <laughs> I never told you this, but I used to fuck Joe Rogan. Oh, my God. Uh -oh, Listen, Mikey, no. she has a type. No. What? That's not nice. Podcasters. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me about the movie. Let's move off of a Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I enjoyed everybody coming, and I, I'll do better next time. I was just, I was, I was not prepared for that kind of, like, the last time we had a meetup, there was, like, three people. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to being an internet person, Mikey. Get yeah. ready. <laughs> welcome to living out loud. Okay. So I agree with all your points about the movies, but I will say as a fan of the Conjuring universe, of the movies, yeah. the, the main trilogy here, I will say that this is the weakest of the three. I agree. Let me tell you why. And and I am able to enjoy them more because I just like shut that part off of my brain where I'm like, this is based on a real story. Because like I, the whole time I was like, this kid gets convicted. Like I knew that the whole time and I was like, what is the point of this? But besides the point, I don't like some of the choices they made with patrick wilson's character being such like a i don't i, I don't know and the other two movies he's a very supportive husband and it's like very nice and in this movie he really irked me the way he was just terribly inept throughout the whole film and then like he's, he's like an invalid but he still looks like patrick wilson yeah but then he treats 
Lorraine badly. Like he's like, oh, don't get your dress dirty. I'm like, he would never have said that in Counter Conjuring Two. He never. She like fell through her house in Conjuring One into like a. a, a <laughs> like, like, so what Mikey is saying is not my Patrick Wilson. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody at our meetup pointed out that he is depicted almost as a straight up invalid in this movie. And there's yeah. a scene where he is crouching down to catch his breath because he needs his blood pressure medication, but his pants are so tight. Just all you see is that perfect cake. Like his butt looks amazing. <laughs> and you can see on like you can see under his clothes. You're like, that's still Aquaman level shredded Patrick Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the problem is that all of the blood was rushing to his ass in perfect dong. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it is perfect. It is a perfect dong. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's no. just the right level of girth. Mm-hmm. It's Patrick Wilson. Wilson's perfect dong. Yeah. I have to start a new Twitter account. Hang on one second. <laughs> Patrick Wilson's perfect dong. Well, anyway, the girl's still dating me, so I didn't fuck it up completely. Hell yeah. <laughs> For now. I want to say this one last thing on, on the topic of, of it being based on a true story. is There are people <laughs> who go into these movies not understanding quite what the true story is. They'll just see like oh, based yeah, on yeah, a true yeah. story. So, like, their entire understanding of who the Warrens are are these movies. Right. Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, we've had the same discussion on each Conjuring episode. I think they were terrible people. And I I said this in the Conjuring 2 episode, I think. I wish this series was, like, substitute characters and cases kind of like it, but, like, an alternate universe. Like, I don't like that it's based on real people. I don't like the victims' names being real. I don't like the Warrens being real. I want Patrick Wilson and Via Ferreira to be a different couple with, like, similar... Well, I mean, they're so far away from the Warrens, it could be the same fucking movies, and it would still make sense. Just Just different names. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they are are the Warrens in name only at this point anyway. Especially... With the satanic panic. I thought that was such a weird. Why not just do a regular haunting? Like these two, like the first two movies were regular hauntings. Just do that. Do another one of those. That's what I'm here for. And then, like, at the end, I was like, are they not arrested for murdering these two, like this priest and his daughter? There's no proof that says that they didn't do it. Right. If somebody was going to look at the bodies in the way that they were, the only idea that they would have is that there was a physical struggle and then they're fucking dead. The whole whole final scene, I'm like, are they not going to? get detained like right now because there's bodies in there the only thing anyone would think if they found her body is that someone was playing real life grand theft auto because she (laughs) looks like a puppet with no strings she's just like flopped on the floor (laughs) the fucking police come in and they go another case of an unlicensed chiropractor you hate to say (laughs) (laughs) and then and then ed warren's like don't fingerprint that sledgehammer, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's just get into the movie. we got a lot to talk about. And we've already been talking 40 minutes. So the movie opens as we pan through a house with a broken chandelier. Everything in the house is destroyed. And we hear Ed praying. On the walls, we see claw marks. And then we get a little title card that says, On July 18th, 1981... Ed and Lorraine Warren were called to document the exorcism of David Glatzel. He was eight years old. And this was the like this is the first shot of the movie. And I was just like, oh, no, because if you compare it to Last Exorcism, where he is also called to exercise like a teenager and the whole time he's talking about like, I don't normally do this. This is a bad idea. Kids die during exorcisms. Anyone who willingly exercises kids like this should probably be checked out. Yeah, gym teachers. 
<laughs> at no point in this movie is anyone like maybe it's a bad idea to do this to a kid <laughs> they're just like we gotta do this to this kid yeah 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 and at the point where they're like the exorcism needs to happen now the only pushback is that they're like no 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 it definitely has to happen now but at a different location like that's right it. that's yeah. the only question but then patrick wilson is like no kitchen table this motherfucker yeah yes. <laughs> let's risk our lives by moving him to a separate location with more breakable objects and sharper <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he in a bed? He's on a table, I think. No, Well, they not moved yet. him to the table. Paige, get us there. Sorry. We've got like three scenes before we even get to that point. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Paige. Get us there. <laughs> That's all right. They're in the living room on f- couches facing each other. And the little boy's mom is kind of cradling him, but we can really see in his face that he is not doing well. That kid is in a bad way. Yeah, He's got meat sweats for days. Meat sweats for days. And Ed also has meat sweats. He's not doing great either. He's got those perfect meat sweats. Yeah. Oof. Mm. Oof. Hold on. Starting a new Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Wilson's perfect meat sweats. <laughs> its first tweet is just, who you gonna thrust? Oh, <laughs> uh, they're they're just a pair of gray sweats that fit really well. It's Patrick Wilson's perfect meat sweats. Oh, man. So oh. he says that they should take a break and get some sleep because they have gotten approval from the Vatican to do the exorcism, but they're waiting for the priest to arrive, which I didn't really understand because Patrick Wilson has definitely done like three exorcisms in the Conjuring universe already. Yeah, but they were like they were like on the DL. Because he's not, like, mm. authorized to do it. He's been suspended. They took his crucifix and his gun. You know what I'm his saying? His crucifix. His Abercrombie and crucifix. crucifix. <laughs> I'm just picturing that he was just, like, helicoptering in his meat sweats, and that's why he got suspended. But, you know. That's how he gets around. Sir, is that a crucifix in your pants, or is, a, is that your perfect dong? <laughs> <laughs> like there's a demon voice that's just like oh my god you dick <laughs> the power of that dick compels me holy shit man <laughs> now i understand why that guy during the exorcism of this kid was just yelling take me take me he wasn't talking to the demon he was talking to patrick wilson Oh, first off, I don't care who you like. I'm not going to let some girl's brother's demon possess me unless we're already married. You know what I'm yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you've been on four dates. She came to a meetup, saw how weird your life was. If her little brother gets possessed, you're like, hey, I'll text you in a few days. Just see how you guys are doing. <laughs> Again, that's like four scenes from now. I'm so sorry, Paige. I'm so sorry. Paige, yeah, yeah, take, yeah. A, take, us, take us home. Get us there, Paige. Get us there. There are things we have to get through to get there. Okay. <laughs> Stop bullying her. Take me, Paige. Take me. <laughs> so they send David, the little kid, to sleep. And Arnie, who is his older sister's boyfriend, goes to tuck him in. And this is where they have that conversation of like, hey, you're really brave for going through this. And I'm like, this is the wrong conversation to have. This conversation should be, I'll help you get a- get away if you want. They're abusing you. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I have a car outside. We can climb down the trellis outside your window. It'll be fine. 
Right. So as they're having this conversation, a taxi shows up outside the house and a priest gets out and it's literally the <laughs> shot from The Exorcist. Yeah. I wanted for one second for it to be the guy from La Llorona. La Llorona? Yeah. Well, it's the same director. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's the same director. I would love it if it was that guy. I forget his name. Paige, you were like were obsessed with this character in Breaking Bad. Yeah, Tuco Salamanca. Yeah, Tuco Salamanca. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But as Tuco, I want him to show up as Tuco yeah. just grinding his teeth and screaming <laughs> People. Yeah, he shows up. He's like, "What did you call my brother?" And he fucking then punches yep. the kid until the demon's dead. Anyway, yep. yeah, it was yep. it was straight up just the the scene from The Exorcist, except for the piano riff. Like other yeah. than that and the fog, yes. it was the same exact scene. Yes, yep. And there, he's even by like a street lamp, and I'm like, "How yeah. is there a street lamp by a farmhouse?" Yeah, like, it's the only street happening? lamp for miles. Yeah, I was like, is this Narnia? What is going on? They cut out the extended scene where he asked for it in his writer. He was like, yeah, I'll come to your house. You got to set up that street lamp for me. He's like, we're the only farm in the county with the street light. That's how you, if you you go past it, you've gone too far. Come back. Well, good, because the Vatican won't sanction child exorcisms unless there's a street light outside. (laughs) It's a rule. And only brown (laughs) M&Ms. They had to beat the demon to death with their own shoes. <laughs> with their own shoes. Tom, I love you so much. I love, I love that our brains are often in the same place, but I'm also terrified by that fact. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite parts of Wayne's World, too. I know. That was a deep, deep, deep cut. I love it. So we cut to David, the child's room. Annie hears what sounds like a knock at the door. And at first, we think it's the priest downstairs. Right. I thought it was Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that street lamp is a spotlight. <laughs> oh. Are you referencing the movie Spotlight, Mikey? Yes, I yeah, am. Okay. Yes, I Just am. making yeah. sure I was yeah. getting the joke I was getting. <laughs> I was thinking more about Patrick Wilson's watchtower, but we'll get there. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, my God, that perfect watchtower. So that knock turns into a bang, and suddenly it's banging and shaking all around his room. So he runs into the bathroom. The whole room shakes like something's trying to get in. He shuts himself in the shower. He looks up at the top of the shower where the shower rings are, and he sees a hand just kind of slip off the ring at the top of the shower. And then the shower turns on and bathes him in blood. He screams. Yeah. Everyone bursts into the room. They kick the bathroom door down. His dad walks in and sees him kind of crouching in the corner. And he's just like, hey, you can come out. It's okay now. And the kid rushes forward and stabs him with a shard of glass yeah. from the mirror. It like shivs him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's. Here's the thing. I've never been a father, so I might not be the perfect person to weigh in here. But I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and say that I don't care what your relationship to me. If you stab me in the leg, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. All right? <laughs> oh, honestly, my, like I know for a fact, and Mikey, correct me if I'm wrong. But I have a pretty good knowledge of how Mikey handles evil or possessed children. And I think if a child was running at Mikey with a shard of glass with like a stabbing intent, Mikey would just let Mikey boxes like we would just level that child. Oh, yeah. He would hit him so hard. His legs would go in the air and he would land flat on his back. Yeah, I would get on my fucking knees to make it a fucking (laughs) fair fight and beat the shit out of a kid. All right. (laughs) You don't have to have a fair fight. He already pulled a knife. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it, it's a glass shard, but yeah, essentially it is a knife. What I would have done is take off his stupid giant 70s glasses where he couldn't see 
Yeah. Nah, I'm fucking punching those glasses in. Fuck that kid. I'm mad. I'm angry. <laughs> and here's the thing. If I stub my toe on my bed, I've called my bed a motherfucker. All right? Like, I've punched my bed for making me stub my toe on it. And that's a thousand percent my fault. If you stab me in the leg, you're going the fuck down, kid. Here's what I also think is funny. I think it's funny that Armando thinks that by getting down on his knees, it'd be a fair fight. If Mondo got on his knee, Mondo is 6'5". That's a fair fight for me, another adult. I was about to say, I've seen Mondo on his knees. I still had to look up to him. <laughs> And that is a Patreon-exclusive video for our yeah. $1,000 members. Let's just say things get sticky. <laughs> How did this kid get his own private bath in this house? Right! I think it's, well, it's, it's a huge farmhouse, and in the like actual story, it's a house that the family is renting, much like the first Conjuring movie. It's kind of the same idea where they're like renting it to refurbish it, and then they'll, like, I don't know. But it's supposed to be this big old house. We don't spend hardly any time there. We're too busy fantasizing about how we're going to kick this kid's rib cage through his back. So (laughs) on the flip side, if this kid would have died here, how many lives would it have saved? Probably not that many because that witch lady would still be alive. That's a fair point. That's making kids, you know, have sex at the mall and all the other things that they believed during the (laughs) satanic panic. (laughs) Later, she joined Judas Priest. (laughs) You know, the metal band who had a flute player. Love it. A flute player. And a gay front man that wrote a song about breaking the law with sodomy. Yep. <laughs> so this is the point where the priest and Patrick Wilson are there. And we got he's like, we got to do it right now. And the priest is like, great, get him in the car. We'll go to the church. And I think also they're thinking, we can't have this thing in a car. It just stabs somebody yeah. <laughs> like enclosed space with this child. No, thanks. And so Patrick Wilson is like, no, we got to do it right now. So they put him on the table downstairs. But they literally, like, they have this conversation in his bedroom, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they move him out of the bedroom, let me remind you, where there is a bed, down to a table downstairs. That seemed bonkers to me. In a place with more sharp stuff and allowing him to claw the walls on yeah. the stairs on his way down. So when I when they when they do the intro shot and they show all these like claw marks on the wall, I was kind of impressed. I was like, oh fuck, that looks badass. Like this is this is kind of cool. And then they show them dragging the kid down stairs and they show that the claw marks are like not telekinetic but you know like he does it with his mind almost yes yeah his arm is sweeping by the wall but it's like three feet away you know i get that it's like it's a kid yeah. actor who did a fantastic job by the way yeah I'm not, he's great like, shitting on the kid he's in the haunting a hill house too he's a good actor oh yeah he's a fantastic that's what i'm saying like fantastic child actor but they will they'll show him like swing and then the claw doesn't like correlate exactly i thought that it was the kid clawing the walls i know that's such a stupid thing to get like bent out of shape about but it is kind of for me uh a great starting point of things that i think are going to be scarier or more intense than they are and then the movie just plays them off as not that much like that was the first instance it just doesn't deliver on the the promise of those i get it and the talon marks they they weren't like fingers it was three so, it was talents. Yeah, they were talents because it's the demon's hand that's just like through the kid. Like, I sort of understood that's it. That's what I kind of thought. I thought it was like yeah. they can't see the demon, but as the kid moves, the demon's moving with him. Yes. And that's why it's talent marks. And both him and the demon don't want to go to school. Yeah. yeah. 
You're not my real exorcist. <laughs> and you never will be. <laughs> the only one who exercises me is Mr. Johnson, the PE teacher, you sons of bitches. So they get him down on the table and he's like foaming at the mouth and screaming and contorting. And as they're doing the exorcism, Lorraine gets a vision and just kind of shakes it off. They pour holy water on the kid, which just makes him angry. And he does a crazy backbend. And then all of the plates attack. Dude, when the when the father, like the pastor or whatever, gets hit in the face with, with that a plate, plate, I so badly wanted to hear the insidious Foley sound of like, like when it's she gets hit with the pan. I know it was very close. It is the teapot moment, but it wasn't as funny to me. That is kind of how I felt about it watching it the second time today. Every time he shows up in later scenes, in my mind, I was thinking he should just start off with. So I'm sure I have a concussion, but I think we should. Like, <laughs> like he should have started off every line of dialogue like that. Yeah, I felt like that because later they go to the hospital. I really wanted him to be like, so, hey, this is like a separate thing. But I got hit in the head really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, I got domed by what seemed to be a strong dinner plate. Yeah. It's like almost as bad as like falling off a horse and getting a horseshoe stuck in your head. Oh like it would have been about that bad. Uh, check out the cool podcast episodes on Fiat Luke starring Mikey. Yeah. Yeah. They're great episodes. I just listened to the second one today because, I mean, it just came out today. And Yeah, that one, that episode is fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Anyway, wait, I have one question. Was I a better guest than Todd? I'm not allowed to discuss that. It's, it's about even. Here's the thing. Todd is one of those people who I feel like can't give themselves any credit on the good work that they do. But Mikey, you just like fucking, this is like you and me are laying in bed together and you look up at me uh -huh. and I'm like, what's wrong, babe? And you go, I just, am I as good a lover as your exes are? That's what you just <laughs> fucking did to me, dude. That's what you just fucking did to me. That checks out. That's what I did after the meetup with my date. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're, and you're a therapist. <laughs> Not a good one. Don't say that. <laughs> Paige, uh, I'm so sorry. We, we will move on now. <laughs> no, I'm just like trying to gauge time. I'm like, how long are we going to be here? Yeah. We're only like ass scene into the movie. We haven't even gotten through the first exorcism. We've been talking for an hour and one minutes. So uh, Ed picks up the exorcism book because he's got a priest down and Ed tries to complete the exorcism in Latin, but it's not working because he can't read latin yeah he's just making it up he's like i got my goo i got my goo he misheard and he was like i'm supposed to do it in latino uh hola como estas vamonos al diablo <laughs> I didn't think it was weird when he did the sign of the cross and then he was like, suavemente. Yeah. yeah, we're never getting done with this. Yeah, this is going to be the longest. <laughs> Welcome to our three part uh... episode on Conjuring 2. <laughs> By the time you're hearing this recording, we're just about to finish it. <laughs> so Arnie is at the table trying to yell at the demon to leave David alone. And Ed is like, don't talk to it. Don't let it know who you are. Yeah. And the kid does like a back bend up. So he's like standing on the table and then just kicks Ed Warren in the chest and then like collapses him to the floor. And then he crouches on his chest and just says, I've got your heart, old man. It was like the reverse of like the night before when Ed Warren was putting him to bed and he like, I got your nose. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's like, got your heart. I thought he kicked him down, and then he fucking, like, hit him in the chest like he was fucking restarting his heart. So he pounces on him and hits him with both fists. Yeah. Like, yeah. right in the fucking, middle of the chest. Like Donkey Kong style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and Arnie pulls the kid off of him. Lorraine is having a vision where she's seeing the satanic altar and mm. some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. The priest is on the floor like, a fucking plate! God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Dinner is served! Why <laughs> couldn't it be a salad place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fucking Indiana Jones. Dinner plates. Why did it have to be dinner, <laughs> dinner plates? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just be glad that it's not a full-blown platter or yeah. something. <laughs> So while Lorraine's having a vision and Ed is having a heart attack, Arnie pulls David off of him and screams into his face, take me instead. And the demon does. Yeah. And Ed sees it, but like it happens for a second and then fades. And then Arnie seems back to normal. But at this point, Ed is having a full blown heart attack and has them call 911. Which they should have done like 30 minutes ago when this shit started. The dad of the kid who was being exercised was stabbed in a leg artery. Like oh, that yeah, 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 dad yeah, yeah. has yeah. bled out. Yeah. We don't see him the rest of the movie because he died this night. Yeah, so just to lay this out for you fucking, the dad gets stabbed in the fucking leg. A priest has a concussion. There is a woman having a full-blown seizure, but then they see somebody with a heart attack and they go, now call 911. And the other three <laughs> yeah. people are like, oh, fucking thanks, I guess. <laughs> so... We then get another title card that says the exorcism of eight-year-old David Glatzel was meant to end months of torment, but for Arnie Johnson, it was just the beginning. The tragic events that followed made nationwide headlines and led Ed and Lorraine to the most sinister discovery of their career based on a true story. So we're through the credits. We did it. We're an hour and seven minutes into this recording. We're through the credits, guys. We made it. So Ed is stable, and they're transferring him to a different ward of the hospital. I mean, as stable as you can be with a guy who's, like, cheating on you all the time, and yeah. Yeah, with also potentially a child, mind you, by the way. What? What? Oh, she's like 17 or yeah, something like yeah, that, Yeah, you right? have like an underage uh, lady that stayed at the house. She was like their intern. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my I... God. I didn't realize that she was 17. Yeah. So they need to run a few more tests to see if he'll be okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, Arnie is sleeping and kind of hearing the events of the night before. And then all of a sudden it is morning and Deb, his girlfriend, wakes him up. And he asks her if she wants to move away and just kind of get away from the city where her family is, where all this bad stuff happened. And she's like, no, I just started this new job. I can't talk about it now. I'll think about it. Because we do find out that they live upstairs from the kennel where she works for free. I'm sure it's part of her, like, compensation or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So as they're leaving the kennel for, it seems like a barbecue with her family. This is where we kind of meet the guy who owns it. We find out the stereo is not working. This is where we find out they live rent free. And for some reason, Arnie is carrying a saran wrapped bowl and it looks like it's a bowl of popcorn. Is that mm-hmm. what it that might was? be potato salad. I think it had to be potato salad. There's no way he popped popcorn, put saran wrap over it, and is walking <laughs> to his truck with it. So white people barbecues confuse the fuck out of me because I swear to God, <laughs> I thought he was covering. I thought he was carrying just a jar full of mayonnaise. I thought that he was just like, <laughs> "This is our allotment oh, for the day." It's a movie, so it probably was just like popcorn. 
<laughs> Nailed it, Mikey. Was she not carrying the same bowl when they got to the barbecue? No, she's not. It's a completely different bowl. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay, well, yeah, then I, I have mm-hmm. no idea what the fuck that was. He's possessed, so he's definitely stealing another person's bowl. I mean, that just <laughs> checks out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm possessed, and now I possess this. <laughs> I possess this bowl of popcorn salad, and I'm going to eat it. I'm sure there's a white middle-aged lady who has a killer popcorn salad recipe. I could probably find one in two seconds on Pinterest. I'm sure it exists. <laughs> so they get to the barbecue, and Deb is talking to her mom, basically talking about, like, he said, he asked if we could leave Brookfield, and, like, what does that mean? Are we going to get married? And she's actually holding a different bowl of watermelon. And then her mom is holding another fruit salad. Because <laughs> I was just like, what is this barbecue? So she sends Arnie in to go get the meat. Yeah, she, she fucking Arby's her boyfriend and goes, hey, why don't you go get the meat? <laughs> and he's like, I don't think Patrick Wilson is here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for his perfect donk. So he sees one of the cereal boxes on the shelf kind of move. And as he keeps looking at it, it falls off the shelf. He walks around to investigate it and a rat runs out of it, which like fucking gross. Really? I mean, they're cute, but you don't want them in your house. You'll get hantavirus and shit. <laughs> so he goes to investigate. The rat runs up the wall, which like this rat defies gravity. Oh, yeah. Yes, Todd. Just watch this rat defying gravity. He climbs the wall defying gravity. <laughs> do they always do this, Mikey? Yeah, they always do this. <laughs> Music on podcast forever. My Zoom just said, are you trying to set up a professional audio recording? <laughs> oh, Zoom should get out more. <laughs> so, the rat defies gravity, runs straight 90 degrees up a wall into a hole. Arnie goes and looks into that hole for a long time and yeah, doesn't does. see anything. Yeah, he doesn't even warm it up first. Like he doesn't stick a <laughs> yeah. finger in or like lick it yeah, or anything. Yeah. You gotta prep that junk. Yeah. Don't just stare at it. You gotta do something. Yeah. But as he pulls away, he turns around <sighs> and a creepy ghost person grabs and screams into his face. That scared the shit out of me. Did it really? To me, it just looked like some old fucking nerd. To me, it looked like Crispin Glover, like from like the Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street movie he was in. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it did scare me because it was like a sudden yell scream. Yeah, that, that's the kind of shit that gets me. It's the worst. What I thought was going to happen was that he was looking inside the hole and then an eye would open from inside. That's what I thought, too. That's the mystery direction yeah yeah i was expecting it i still think the visualness would have been creepy that's the other thing too is like jump scares don't don't do it for me like i don't really oh, i never get scared by jump scares but like deep lurking psychological like very awful tear that's what i enjoy the most all of it gets me and i don't enjoy any of it i hate all of it yeah so yeah, like in the theater, Kate, who was sitting next to me, who was like our top mod, we yeah. both screamed and then everyone laughed at us. <laughs> like my girlfriend, <laughs> Natalie, who was sitting next to me, like gave me this look like, you idiot. <laughs> so we cut to the hospital where Lorraine is sitting with Ed, who is unconscious, and the priest visits and he's like, you should go home and sleep, girl. You look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, did I ever tell you how we met? And we get this story of like, she went to the movies with friends. He was an usher. They end up making out in a gazebo. And apparently this is important. It's important because at the end, he builds her that same gazebo. 
Yeah, he's also like a working age man, and she's a seventeen-year-old girl in the. Oh, I thought he looked age appropriate in that flashback. No, he's also a teenager. But I think we're ignoring the bigger problem that this is a man who can't walk very far without having a near heart attack, and we think that he built her a gazebo. That gazebo is his grave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I'm sure he paid someone to build it, I, but I think in universe he just let Annabelle and a couple of the other creepy dolls out to build it for him. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you want to get back on God's good side? Build me a gazebo. <laughs> so we cut back to Arnie, who is working in like a, almost like a tree clearing company, it seemed like. Yeah, like a landscaping. Yeah. Yeah, to cut down branches so they don't fall in your house yeah. and stuff like that. And he's strapped into the tree and he's trying to get the chainsaw started and he can't get it started. He looks behind him at the window of the house and sees the freaky ghost lady and the chainsaw starts unexpectedly and he drops it, almost killing people. Yeah, that one got me because it was an OSHA violation, by the way. I was just like, oh, the fines. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, OSHA. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So he goes home because he's not feeling well, which honestly I think is a good call on his part to be like, yeah, I should not be holding the chainsaw today, I think. I think he got fired. Oh, that's possible too. <laughs> yeah, he's lying to his girlfriend at this point. I mean, yeah, it depends. Very possible. Uh, but so he gets home to the kennel and she's like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, I'm not feeling well. And as he's getting out of the car, the landlord comes out and is already drunk and wants him to, like, party and listen to music with them. Yeah, he's and full vacation Mikey mode, which means he's drunk as shit at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Deb kind of suspects that something is up already. Like, yeah. she's already like, Arnie, are you really okay? And he's like, no. And the neighbor does not care and drags him inside the house. Meanwhile, Ed wakes up in the hospital And he tells Lorraine that they have to call Arnie because he has the demon. They have to warn everybody, essentially, that he's dangerous. So I also, as an aside, this is a this is a point towards the movie being entertaining for me, by the way, because like no one else saw and I it, they make it very noticeable in the movie that the only person who saw the demon transfer bodies. Also, as an aside to my aside, I did love when Arnie is shaking the kid and is like, take me, take me. The demon in the kid does make a face like, I mean, yeah, I, I guess. And then it transfers <laughs> over. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Ed is the only one who sees this weird ass spiritual Venmo transaction happen. And <laughs> and then he, you know, he's fucking out because of the heart attack. And the first thing he says, and so I'm thinking like, oh, fuck, like he's the only one who really knows. And so when he wakes up, it's the first thing I said. I was like, that's how you do a fucking plot point, baby. There we go. I'm yeah. back in this yeah. movie. And it's weird that he didn't wake up and just be like, stop shaking the baby. But you <laughs> yeah. know, I didn't think that the demon liked it because, you know, he's in it for the chase. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The demon is a fuck it's boy. too easy. So inside the kennel, they're playing Blondie's Call Me super loud and Arnie gets the speakers working and as he does the landlord hands him a beer but has shaken it up so they like bathe that speaker in beer right after he fixed it oh yeah and he the landlord is surprised that none of his shit works by the way I know that is like his main (laughs) character point is that he doesn't understand why all of his shit is broken as he just constantly hits it and covers it in alcohol yeah well it was 81 they didn't know better (laughs) That's fair. Uh, The phone rings and they don't hear it over the music. And Arnie is not doing okay. And he's just trying to like sit down on the couch or somewhere and just kind of collect his thoughts. Well, did they try hitting him and 
pouring beer all over his face? <laughs> and pouring beer. They do in this scene, basically. That's how they cured the, the priest's fucking concussion. They just fucking slap him They in hit the him face with a dinner plate. Yeah. yeah fucking <laughs> shotgun a beer on him. They hit him with a dessert plate so he could complete the meal. Uh, and then he was fine. So Bruno grabs Deb to kind of dance with her while Arnie's kind of watching. Now, this is something that I think they're kind of borrowing from the real story. And I'll cover it a little bit at the end. But part of the situation that happened in the real story there's a couple versions of it and one version of the story has the landlord grabbing one of deb's younger sisters and not letting her go like kind of drunkenly roughhousing and dancing and grabbing her which then prompted the disagreement that led to the murder right that's only one version of it there's a couple other versions where that doesn't happen but I think that's why this is included in the movie. Um, because Lorraine calls the police to try and get them to the kennel. We cut back to the kennel and Arnie walks into the other room while they're dancing and splashes his face with water. Then he hears Deb scream and he comes back and to him, it looks like the landlord is attacking her. But then it turns out to be that creepy demon lady. Yeah. But then it's not So he runs into the kennel. He chases Deb into the kennel. So Deb kind of runs out the backside. He gets stuck in the kennel. The lights go out. This is so creepy. And as they do, the ghost skitters towards him out of the dark and he stabs it to death 22 times. That skittering towards him was so creepy. That's the kind of stuff that for me was more effective in this than it has been in past Conjuring movies Mm -hmm. because of the damn makeup. So, like, this looked better to me than some of the previous ones have for jump scares. Yeah. Yeah. I I just want to say, I don't care if you're, like, my boss or what, but you come skittering towards me, and I'm going to fucking knock you out, dude. All right? I'm fight. I'll go to my knees, make this a fair fight, but I'm going to knock you the fuck out. (laughs) Mondo, I think you have some anger issues to work out, maybe. I think he just wants to get on his knees and punch people. Like, I feel like he has a very specific fetish. Yeah, he's going for that raise. I don't care if you're my podcast co-host if you come at me for my anger issues i'm getting on my knees and i'm gonna (laughs) knock you the fuck out dude we both know that you need to save your knee knockouts for when you finally get to hang out with blaine so it can be a fair height fight yeah i'm doing that this weekend i'll film it (laughs) so we cut to arnie walking down the road in front of the kennel covered in blood and still possessed is what it looks like but the cops pull up, he snaps out of it, and he just basically says, I think I hurt someone. Yeah, and the cop is like, yeah, no shit, you've got blood all over you. Yeah, you are covered in blood. I thought for a second he was going to be like, oh, it's strawberry jam, I make them every spring. Yeah, I'm bringing one to the meetup for my favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So we cut to now all the cops are at the kennel and we just kind of hear over the radio that the landlord, Bruno, has been murdered and stabbed 22 times. So we cut to the jail where the Warrens are interviewing Arnie and he can read from the Bible and be close to holy water and a crucifix. So they believe that he's no longer possessed because of that. But maybe he still used to be. And so they ask him who his lawyer is so that they can tell the lawyer basically what they've observed. So they go to the lawyer's office and the lawyer is not buying it. And Ed's justification is, well, we swear on the Bible, so we should also say the devil is real in in 
the court of law. And I'm like, that's a big leap. That's a big leap. But in this section, they argue that he should be not guilty by reason of demonic possession. And the lawyer's like, well, that's never happened. You know, that's never been successful. And he cites the Michael Taylor case from England, which if you do not know about that case, doesn't ring a bell to you. And you're just like, oh, it's happened before. But what you should really know, and this movie doesn't fucking tell you, is the Michael Taylor case has long been disproved as not being possession and, in fact, was severe mental illness that unchecked and kind of fed by almost like a cult situation led a man to murder his wife with his own two hands and then later try to attack a teenage girl. And then he was found to be incapable of standing trial and has been in a treatment facility for most of his life ever since. So, like, the fact that they cite that case as they're, like, successful, I'm like, no. But essentially, the lawyer is like, well, if you can't prove it, then I can't help you. And they're like, why don't you come to our house and we'll show you some shit. Yeah, let me show you this creepy doll I have in my basement. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, so... <laughs> I don't care about your Funko Pop toys, all right? Yeah. <laughs> we cut to the next... <laughs> scene at the courthouse and the lawyer is like scared shitless <laughs> so you're like what did they show yeah, her I, I honestly wanted that scene like what happened between that lawyer and annabelle or the nun painting or whatever honest to god i thought that was perfect like some levity it got the point across exactly because yeah she's just like <laughs> we'll see about that smash cut to <laughs> uh, the devil made him do it <laughs> from a comedic perspective it is yeah. chef's kiss well yeah they were watching annabelle build that gazebo <laughs> she's like what is this how are they doing this why do you have a nun working in your yard <laughs> so she enters the plea of not guilty by reason of demonic possession and literally the court's just like do what lady what and then we cut to the courthouse steps where Patrick Wilson is in a wheelchair. I think you mean Patrick Wilson. <laughs> oh, jeez. Is this the whole reason you wanted me to talk about it? I wrote that joke. Hey, guys, I think my internet cut out. I kind of missed Because <laughs> two things that are really weird. I feel like I missed something, but also I have all of my respect for Mikey right now. Did I? Oh, yeah. So you <laughs> definitely missed that joke. Okay. Uh, what he said was uh -huh. Patrick Wilson. Hey, Paige, I think my internet just cut out again. Because like, I... <laughs> yeah, I hey, my date laughed at that joke hysterically. Oh, no. That means you wrote it fucking before now. <laughs> yeah. I was willing to give you the benefit of the doubt if you came up with it like five minutes ago. But this if this was some yesterday <laughs> shit, go fuck yourself. Mondo, two days ago. It was Jesus. two days ago. You know what? 48 hours, it's only aged well, like fine wine. Yeah. You know those two-day-old bottles of wine? So yeah. good. Mm. That's what I get at my Kroger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Not, I don't buy it, by the way. I find it out back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's box of wine, but it's really just wine that's spilt in a cardboard box. <laughs> oh. Yeah, if you don't have to squeegee the wine into your mouth, you're not living, baby. <laughs> Little bits of asphalt from the ground. Mm. It's not Mikey's fault, it's the asphalt. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, all right. And you have the nerve to get mad at Patrick Wilson. Mikey's date said it was funny when I thought of it two days ago, okay? So... <laughs> <laughs> thought it was fine. 
Anyway, so Ed's in a wheelchair, and this is where the lawyer tells them that they did take the plea, but they're going for the death penalty, so he lives or dies based on what they find. So now they have to find possession after the fact, but demons don't just disappear, so they have to go, quote, back to the beginning. So they go back to their house, and they're talking to the sister, and then eventually they go back to that house. But the Warrens' house is different in every movie. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I have not. I have. And this one in particular has these really cool glass panels through their kitchen that I was obsessed with and kept looking for in every scene. But it's how I could differentiate the two houses because the one that the haunting happened in has these clear glass panels with starbursts on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the pink ones too because they're rich. Yeah, the good ones. <laughs> it's it's the name of a, a mid-century design that's a longer kind of pointed angular star. So at the Warren's house, they're asking Deb, like, is there anything you guys could have done to contact this demon, to bring it back? Like, what happened? And she basically walks them through the day that they moved in, because that was the first day something happened. Oh, man, this scene scared the fuck out of me. Yeah, mostly because I couldn't believe people still fucked on waterbeds. Dude, this was like prime waterbed time period. Like the 80s? I'm pretty sure I was conceived on a waterbed. Oh, hell yeah, It's hard dude. to fuck on a waterbed because you can't get any traction. I mean, I've never done it. I mean, glad to know that. I'm pretty sure it'll never come up in my life, but yeah. I've barely fucked on regular beds. It's, they're really <laughs> cool to lay on. They feel kind of awesome. So I totally understand the kid immediately diving onto it because what happens is he brings a box into the room, uncovers the waterbed, jumps on it, and just kind of spreads out. And what we can see, you know, from above is there's like a face in the waterbed. Oh, my God. And he kind of senses that there's something in the bed. So he kind of goes to move off the bed and he puts his hand down and there's another hand by his hand. And just as he's about to climb off the bed, something reaches up through the bed, grabs him punctures the bed and like slaps that kid against that waterbed mattress like three or four times oh yeah they they almost got me by the way with this scare because they when the, before it punctures through and like grabs him they just do like one of those like brushing by him like before yeah, you even see the face, that was creepy where it felt like i honest to god if i was laying on a waterbed a big fit because i am terrified of like the ocean and like the deep and shit yeah and so same. like if they're if i was laying on a waterbed and then i just felt like what felt like a shark or like a deep sea creature rub up again like i would lose my fucking mind i would at the very least be like oh we're gonna need a bigger bed <laughs> <laughs> Michael Rappaport peeks his head out from the bed frame, like, who are you going to trust? And goes back. <laughs> if you haven't heard Mondo's last episode, it's the Deep Blue Sea episode, and it's fucking fire. So it throws the kid from the bed, and he survives, but they're definitely not getting their deposit back because that's a level of water damage that is horrific. That's not water damage. And Sorry, then, <laughs> that, that comes up later, actually, Paige. Yeah. Yeah. And then he pulls out his he pulls out his fucking ruined piss pants and he goes, This is water this damage. Water damage. <laughs> the, the thing that is sad about this scene is they don't know he's possessed in this moment, so they just think he broke that waterbed, and there's no way he got in a lot of trouble for he it. He straight up broke the waterbed. I mean, he didn't. The ghost did. He shouldn't have been on that bed in the first place. I'm pretty sure his family tells him not to jump on that waterbed, and he does. So this is his fault. They didn't tell him <laughs> anything. 
Well, that's what I'm saying, Paige. They, his family does not know he's possessed at this point. They don't know that there's, yeah. there's a ghost or a demon. So they just assume he broke the waterbed. There's no way he wasn't grounded for a month. <laughs> so we cut to modern day Ed and Lorraine are in that same room that's now kind of more of a living room and they lift up the rug where the waterbed used to sit and the whole floor is damaged and he's like that's not water damage it's demon damage and it looks burned <laughs> almost which is kind of interesting it does we cut to uh they're outside looking down into the cellar because they're going to go into the crawl space under that room and see what's underneath it and Ed can't go because he's got a a cane and he doesn't want Lorraine to go because she'll get dirty and she's just like fuck y'all and goes anyway (laughs) she's like hold my purse that which is such a great fucking line by the way to Ed Lorraine or Ed uh, Ed Warren's fucking almost unseen sexism as as far as I remember from the other (laughs) Conjuring movies like they're an equal partnership team and then he he just was like bet you're gonna get your dress dirty he's like hold my fucking purse you stupid bitch <laughs> watch me do your job i don't even fucking need you ed and then just fucking gi joe's underneath <laughs> it was so badass <laughs> so she crawls under the house until she finds a plastic sheeted area and it's like the kingdom of the rats this was my dream this is what i was talking about where like it came up in the movie and everyone made this like disgusted noise and i was like this is like what i wanted Chuck E. cheese to be this is awesome oh, oh. Well, the kitchen is like that. Still less rats than the average ball pit at a Chuck E. Cheese. Yes, sure. <laughs> yeah, but these rats are still alive, unlike the ball pit rats. Yeah. Well, and they're also like running in a circle around this like abandoned trash baggy kind yeah. of thing well, in the that's middle. That's because Baxter Stockton was down there, which is a reference that no one is getting, and that's fine. He was the Ninja Turtle villain that made the robotic rats it's fucking the, the ninja turtles were taught by a giant rat mikey there's an easier reference <laughs> you yeah. could have gone splinter and you went baxter scotland or whatever stockton <laughs> splinter would have been more accessible i see it now i hope one person laughed out there they will never hear it so she finds that bag and opens it and there's this like weird bone beetle shrine kind of jawbone vertebrae spiky thing yeah it's it's the satanist arts and crafts yeah they have, a, they have a straight up onganga in there like it's it's straight up santa muerte shit that they have in there yeah and they call it a witch's totem but essentially they take pictures of it and they're like this is the source of the curse somebody put this there it's clearly air quotes satanic yeah And they think whoever cursed David used it. So they take pictures and send it to all the police officers in the area. So like all the precincts locally who at the time. I laughed at this because it's like they're just opening random mail that they get. They get a picture (laughs) of a satanic ritual. They'll be like, oh, man, prank mail again. I'm not going (laughs) to. Well, this is the time. So this is 1981 where they're receiving like specific training from people like Lawrence Pazder and Mike Warnke about satanic rituals and satanic objects this would be a red flag we do cover this shit in our satanic panic series so if you're interested on like why the police would have been the people to contact at this time there there is precedence for that so as they're passing out the pictures the priest who has recovered from his plate injury (laughs) he's like i think i know a guy And he says he was obsessed with the Ram cult, and they don't give any other defining characteristics to that cult. But from the iconography in his collection, I think he's just referring to Baphomet, which is just kind of like 
catch-all Satanism, if you want to think of it that way. But the fact that they don't get any more descriptive is frustrating. And I'm like, if this was a real thing, that'd be kind of an interesting inclusion in the movie. But but it's not. So and they didn't want to do the legwork to make it up, I guess. So they just moved. Well, on. they make up a whole ton of shit in just a second because they pull up to like Ed and Lorraine pull up to a house by the river where they meet the priest who's feeding chickens and collecting eggs and he offers them an omelet. But he kind of sounds like Bobby Boucher for yeah, a little bit does. where he's like. I've, I've got chicken shit on my hands and you need to drink your water. Like, it's weird. Yeah, I got, I got chicken shit on my hand and foosball on the brain. <laughs> Mama said foosball the devil. I love this guy when he was in Fringe, so I'm a big fan. <laughs> I did think it was weird when he was like, demons so ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush to wash them. And no toothbrushes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Mama said. Actually, it's a demon's medulla oblongata. I can't tell you how many times I watched the scene where the coach henry winkler takes that golden football on his desk and he throws it out of his yes. office and it hits the guy in the head and you hear this like, <laughs> i like wore that shit out my brother would be like stop playing that section and i'd be like stop riding in trucks <laughs> <laughs> she showed me her headlights and i like them too <laughs> So they show him the picture of the little like satanic Funko Pop and he's like, forget you ever saw this. I've seen it and this is sophisticated and this is some uh, fucked up magic. Yeah. So Armando just typed into the chat, R.I.P. Todd's bro. (laughs) So they show him the photo of the satanic Funko Pop and he's like, forget you ever saw this because I've seen ones like it. And this is very, this is some dark shit. Yeah. Basically is what he says. This looks a lot like what my daughter. Oh, never mind. We're not that scene yet. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a daughter. Who asked? What? (laughs) So they ask, they're like, why? Why would somebody put this there? And his explanation is, quote, Satanists love chaos. And I'm like, no, that's chaos magic. Yeah, those are different things. But also chaos magic doesn't even love chaos. It's just intention based where you can't control the results. Yeah, it's actually a lot of rules for something with chaos in the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to jerk off onto a knife. Why are we reading this rule book? Yeah, absolutely. Welcome to Theosophy. Glad you could join us. Uh, Because actually, before you come on the knife, you have to roll for initiative, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Coming on the knife is actually chaotic neutral. You really got to take a dump on the knife if you want to be chaotic evil. Oh, look at this. I actually rolled a Nat D's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) so he takes them into his house and they're about to go down into the basement and lorraine's like i don't want to go down there because he apparently has a basement full of haunted shit and people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones lorraine i fucking loved this scene by the way because they get down into the basement and they reveal that he has like a storeroom of all this evil satanic shit and ed looks around and goes you should have burned all this stuff and i was like mom Motherfucker, you live in a house with an evil fucking doll and a nun. Go fuck yourself, Ed. They super high road him. It's very odd. Yeah. Yeah, well, pot, meat, kettle. But then also, the other thing about it is if you look around that room. So, like, the second time when I watched it today, I was able to kind of pause it and look around the room. It's just a bunch of old books and taxidermy. And I'm like, 
why is taxidermy satanic? <laughs> like, what is, why? This squirrel is satanic. You should have burned it. All squirrels are There's satanic. like a little taxidermy deer and like all kinds of stuff. And I was like, you couldn't even argue that these were sacrifices because then you wouldn't preserve them. You'd have to like burn them or whatever. But like. Yeah, because they would be used up within that sacrifice. Yeah. Right. <gasps> Was that what Ed was saying? Where he was like, "You should have burned this. You did the, the you did the thing wrong, dude. You fucking Ed's in on it. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, That's the twist of the. It fourth. goes all the way to the top. They're setting it up now. That's why he was totally incompetent trying to stop them. Yeah, yeah. he's like, "Oh no, I fell over. Oh no, my cane yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I'll be over here holding Lorraine's purse." <laughs> what we do see are some quote, magical or occult symbols. There's like pentacles and a couple other things. Yeah. But those are not necessarily connected to the kinds of iconography that we're seeing in the totems, which skew very much like Santeria Palomayombe, that kind of visual, not necessarily exact or accurate, but like that's what that looks like. Yeah. But then they're also playing with like classic finger quotes fiction occults where it's like giant star on a table put pictures and candles everywhere and it's just kind of it is ed and lorraine's fever dream of what they think the occult is essentially it looks like the girls from the craft came in and set up this room <laughs> even the craft is more accurate than this well, no I, I remember you talking about how accurate it was so Anyway, they make it seem like it's some Indiana Jones shit. Like, they're walking around like, it belongs in a museum, and just... Jehovah begins with an I! <laughs> yeah. The reason he gives them is that taking... He likes to take guns off the street, so he, like, collects this stuff and stores it down here, which they high-road him for, but is exactly the same reason they take, like, a, a token or a trophy yeah. from every ghost they find. Yeah. I just want to say also, they have established in this movie that all these totems have to do is be underneath the point in the house where you are standing to work, and they are just spread out on the entire ground floor of this motherfucker's house. Yep, and he tells them a story of how these acts and rituals can actually give people power, but the really funny thing I noticed on a second viewing is he's giving them this lecture and right over Lorraine's shoulder is just a glass case like you would have for an axe, like break in case of whatever. And there's just an old baby doll in it because it's just, <laughs> it's just supposed to be freaky shit. Yeah. But it's clearly a doll and not a baby. Hey, hey, Mondo. What's up? He's actually safe from those totems because he sleeps in a holy water bed. Oh, holy shit. shit. That's shit. amazing. I feel like that could actually be done. I feel like a priest could actually bless a waterbed and then it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Yeah. The waterbed's agenda will never be curtailed. <laughs> and it, it's easier to have sex on because you part it like during the sex jesus christ <laughs> that's why they call me moses <laughs> i think a holy water bed is great if you ever are terrified that you are dating a vampire because <laughs> you could just be like yeah, <laughs> yeah baby, come on why don't you get in here we're gonna end this season of true blood real quick <laughs> Um, but the story he tells them is that the cult he was studying eventually was tried and the prosecutor's wife was pregnant and she gives birth to a her baby premature and it has its heart on the outside of its chest and does not survive. And then a few months later, she dies by suicide. Yeah. And so he asks them, are you willing to give up anything 
to save this boy because it might take everything you have. So we cut to a woman doing an air quotes satanic ritual. We intercut between her and Arnie, who is mopping the infirmary, and he kind of senses something weird and knocks his water bucket under one of the beds. He crawls under the bed to retrieve it, and it gets snatched back into the darkness because there's something in that corner, but he can't see it. Yeah. All the lights go out. He turns, and the only other man in the infirmary is a guy who's been unconscious, and he sits up, and he's singing the lyrics to Call Me, the song that was playing when he committed his murder. Yeah. And as he watches, the creepy demon lady grabs his head, and he freaks the fuck out. We cut to the altar with his photo on it, and the magic practitioner, or quote-unquote satanic practitioner, walks away. We cut to the Warren's house where they receive flowers and a couple other things because Ed's been sick. Is he sick or is he murdering people? I feel like he's going to make it because that ass just won't quit. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's Wattrick Pilsen. Not yet, although he does become Wattrick Pilsen later. And I was so happy they included this. (laughs) Does he become Patrick Pilsen when he can't get it up? Is that the bit? I don't under. No, Wattrick Pilsen is evil Patrick Wilson. Oh, I thought he was Patrick Pilsen because he needed some Viagra for his perfect dong. <laughs> no, he, but he is Patrick Pilsen because he needs him for his heart, yeah. but he forgets them. Yeah. 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 So they get a call from their camera guy who got a hit on the pictures that they sent to the precincts. There is a police station in Danvers, Massachusetts that has a similar case. Uh, for the disappearance of a girl named Jessica Louise. So they go to the precinct and they see pictures of a very similar totem. And they're like, great, you can help us out. And he's like, no, you're going to help me. And I'm like, I don't see why there's a difference, but fine. And so they make a deal that if they can find the missing girl, they will get the case file. And so he decides to test Lorraine. And he's like, show me which one of these knives she used in the crime. And Ed's indignation in this scene of just like my wife's not a parlor trick i was like but dude if she could do it then she'll do it like you know if she can't do it is it fake like what's going on well first off it is fake but in the movie world i guess it's not but i do like that as they're having that conversation she's like shut up men it's this one yeah so we cut to Deb and David visiting Arnie in prison and he reveals that he's not sleeping and it wants him to kill himself. I, by the way, I love how the fucking kid entrapped Arnie, by the way. Like that was such a solid move by the kid to just be like, hey man, it's real cold in here, isn't it? And Arnie's like, yeah, dude, what's up with that? And the kid's like, fucking gotcha. You're fucking possessed, dude. I've been there, dude. I've been there. (laughs) I got your fucking number. I've been where you've been. Give me the drugs. Get clean. Get right. That's what I was saying. It's like he found his weed. Like, what you in here for? Stealing bikes? Yeah, the kid's like, you're possessed. And the, and Arnie's just like, I learned it from watching you, Bob, or whatever his fucking name is. <laughs> David. I can't believe he disliked his older sister so much that he wanted a demon to possess him to murder someone and go to jail instead of just marrying her. <laughs> yeah, some men will do anything to avoid commitment, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like they'll bring a date to a fucking podcast meetup to try to make them stop liking them. <laughs> it was the dumbest move I may have ever made in dating. No, it was the real smart move because if you hadn't brought anybody, things would have gotten weird. Yeah. 
I, I didn't bring anybody. I was fine. But you don't have the running joke on the podcast of being single and available and ready oh, to mingle. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm single and stay away from me. <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> Please stop sending me creepy DMs, everybody. It is weird for my ego. Mondo, I am not going to stop. And I told you not to tell anyone about that. <laughs> Mondo, when I send you pictures of my own feet, you're supposed to like them. <laughs> Wait till I send you pictures of my feet. You'll be confused. Yeah, instead I've just opened up the Horror Virgin Foot Only Fans, and it has been doing fantastic. <laughs> it's honestly just called Only Feet. Yeah. <laughs> so they're driving through the woods, and the police officer from that precinct in Danvers is driving, and Lorraine just says, you missed a turn. And he's just like, huh? And she's like, where you found the bodies? And he's just like... Oh shit! So he like turns because clearly she knows where shit is. That wasn't even played like it was a test. It just seems like he's shitty at getting around. Yeah, I loved the sheriff's face by the way, where she goes like, "You missed the turn," and he's like, "What?" And, and he goes, uh, "Where you found the body? It was back there." He makes his face. He's like, "Ah, oh, damn, bitch, you right? All right, all right." Fucking <laughs> <laughs> he's not mad. He's not exasperated. He's just like, "Damn, you are." Yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. My bad. My bad. You know your husband has a killer dog, right? <laughs> A perfect dog. Oh, sorry. That's a perfect dog. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I was just looking at it in the rear view mirror. I am distracted. <laughs> so we cut to Lorraine walking through the woods, basically following whatever sense she can get of where these girls have been. She's following her psychic nose because she's a ghost, a bloodhound. Yeah, she's Scruff McGruff, the crime dog, <laughs> secretly. Just... In a trench coat pretending to be human. <laughs> so uh, she finds where the bodies were, or at least the the one body was, and she kind of transports into the girls at night, which is something that happens at all of the Conjuring movies. So Lorraine is like borderline running through the woods, and Ed is having trouble keeping up because apparently Orm the Ocean Master has not been doing his cardio. <laughs> and we see in Lorraine's vision, one girl stabs the other girl after giving her a friendship bracelet. And then she runs through the forest and Lorraine tracks, like follows the track that she runs and almost falls off a cliff into a reservoir. And the demon tries to pull her over the cliff, but Ed pulls her back. But because he had to just do a bunch of cardio, he's not doing great. Oh, we've been there. Been there, Ed. <laughs> so we cut to later that afternoon. There's an ambulance there where they're giving Ed blood pressure medication because he left his at home. And the nurse says, I wouldn't leave those at home if I were you, which is like, you know, Chekhov's pill bottle. So we do find out that the recovery team found a body and they had tried going through the reservoir twice and hadn't found anything. And this third time they did. Because this time they had a reservation. Oh, Mikey. Christ. Wow. That's as bad as the denominator nader or whatever Jesus it was. Christ, Michael. <laughs> I thought it was because they had their ghost bloodhound, so now they had a reservoir dog. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to the cop basically tells them that he's going to send the case file in the morning. They get to their hotel and the phone is ringing and it's Deb. And she's telling them that Arnie is still possessed and it's telling them to kill himself. So they have her call the chaplain in the jail who is woefully incompetent. He has like zero powers against the underworld. Like every at all. single priest in this movie, by the way, has zero competency at all. And all of them are like, 
I would say 0 for 1 against any kind of silverware or plates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're losing the battle of cutlery, you're going to lose the battle against the devil. <laughs> plates plates, and dinnerware come off real nice in this movie. <laughs> they definitely bounce off that head real nice. I mean, it's a real intense version of Be Our Guest, but I'm here for it. <laughs> so uh, they are about to continue giving her directions on the phone, but there's like a scream and it cuts the line. We cut to the prison and Arnie's in solitary because he is on suicide watch and the chaplain brings him a bottle of holy water and says that God gives everyone the right to defend themselves. We cut back to the motel where Ed and Lorraine are like brainstorming what they're going to do because they've decided that since it's a curse, curses can be broken. And this is where like, I can't believe she didn't bring this up before, but this is where Lorraine is like, by the way, during that first exorcism, I saw something. And if I can get into that dead body, maybe I can see something again. So we cut to Arnie and his cell freaking out. He pours the holy water in a circle on the ground. And at this point, I was like, drink it, fool. Yeah. As a mental health professional, I hate this scene. We know we locked you in a safe cell because you're having suicidal thoughts. Here's some glass. Yeah. 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 And that's how he almost completes suicide. I know. I was like, this is terrible. So he's sitting and praying in the circle. We cut to the funeral home where they've taken that girl's body. And Ed just breaks the door with his cane and they break into the funeral home. They find the body. She tries to establish the connection and it it's not immediate, but she does kind of get there and she sees the kind of tunnels leading to the altar and she sees the altar itself and the woman casting them. But while she's under, the lights go out. And Ed leaves to turn the lights back on. As he does so, she reveals that the connection works both ways. Yeah. She's like, there's someone else in this dead lady, too. <laughs> oh, yep. no. A dead lady threesome. <laughs> I do not know if it counts as a threesome if one of them is dead. <laughs> but these are the things I don't necessarily want to know, Mikey. It's still an abomination. But, like, it's I don't know that there's a name for it specifically other than, like, forbidden. So... When the lights come back on, the body on the table near the light switch is missing. We intercut between the funeral home and Arnie's cell because Arnie shatters the bottle of holy water and tries to use a shard of glass to slash his wrists. We cut back to the funeral home and Biggin, the body that was on that table, is standing across the room, slowly coming to life. And it charges at Ed. And it's like, it's huge. Like, it looks like Juggernaut from, like, early X-Men movies. Yeah, it's it's good yeah. to see your own type, like, represented in a film. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did you feel seen? Did you feel seen? Uh, I felt seen. Yeah. A little too seen, if I'm being very clear with you. <laughs> so, meanwhile, back at the prison, the guard finds Arnie bleeding out and sounds the alarm. Meanwhile... Lorraine is still under and the practitioner reveals that the connection serves her too and basically reveals like, well, now I know who you are. So Ed tries to break her of that connection as the big guy is kind of charging towards him. He finally gets Lorraine to release the hand, breaking the connection and the zombie guy collapses into the middle of the morgue. And hits the zombie guy like hits his head on the bed that the dead lady is on. And it also makes a hang. 
Ding, kind Boom. of a sound. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just glad that he was just as bad at cardio as uh, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did like that they double died the zombie, where he was just like, just in yeah. case you didn't, just in case you were like a little upset, he's like super dead. That zombie comes back in a bit. Well, in in a vision, like a yeah hallucination. Yeah. But yeah. What I was wondering is how they're going to explain this to the mortuary people. Like we broke in and now there's bodies everywhere. We definitely didn't have sex with them. <laughs> Paige, he said they left a note. It's fine. <laughs> Gene Parmesan. So we cut back to the Warren's house where Deb is waiting for them and lets them know that Arnie has been admitted to the infirmary because he attempted to complete suicide. And at this point, I guess their camera guy is doing their research, but he finds something in one of the books that they have from the creepy collector guy. And they realize that it's the ritual that they're looking for, but it's an Aramaic. And they realize that the practitioner can't give up. The curse has to be completed because her soul is the cost. So they try to find where Lorraine's vision was from. And she says that it was cold. There was water dripping and she heard a train and she thinks it was underground, but this woman has now targeted both of them because she knows about Ed and Lorraine, too. Yeah. Ed stands up too fast and passes out. <laughs> Look, it happens. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> I mean, if the blood is a, in a different place in your body and you stand up too quick. You guys don't understand. That's an organic cane. <laughs> it's more of a tripod situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we cut to him lying down in the bedroom. He wakes up, he walks out into the hallway and doesn't see anyone there. He sees that the front door is open, and as he walks towards it, he notices that the door frame is broken. He calls for Lorraine and doesn't see her. He looks outside and finds her rosary on the ground. He picks it up and turns and sees the practitioner, the creepy, quote-unquote, Satanist woman in the office. And she basically says, you have quite the collection, and you're so close, I'd hate for you to give up now, and then just turns into a black mist. He hears a knocking, and he turns towards the door. It opens, revealing the big zombie guy from before. Yeah. He runs at him. He tries to banish him back with the rosary, and then he raises a knife and then snaps back to reality where he has almost killed Lorraine. Well, the reason he snaps back to reality is because the researcher guy grabs his arm as he's like thrusting it forward to kill his wife. Right. But that means that for the last couple of minutes, we've actually been watching Wattrick Pilsen. Yeah. So they tear the house apart to find the totem and it's in the office that's like right off the room that they're in. And here's my problem. Because they find it because flowers have turned black and the totem is in a vase. But here's the problem. The neck of the vase is really narrow. There's no way they could have gotten that yep. totem in that vase. It's a ship in the bottle situation. Yeah. They built yeah. the totem inside the vase. Come on, guys. It's simple. But, like, you couldn't even fit some of those bones in there. Like, it's it wouldn't work. No, Paige... You put it together like it's a ship in a bottle. Yeah. You close the teeth together on the beetle. You slide mm -hmm. it in and then you expand the teeth. There's like a full vertebrae in that thing that wouldn't fit through the mouth of the vase. Oh, yeah, Paige. I am just sort of yes-anding this. Like, it is real <laughs> dumb. Like, it's real yeah. dumb. Yeah. It's What real they dumb. did on set was they dropped the vase and then threw the totem into the remnants of yeah. what the vase broke into. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that why they were like doing like a dance night when they dropped the vase? Oh, you <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, it's an Eastern European discotheque and they drop at the vase. <laughs> 
I like to just make jokes that make the rest of you angry. <laughs> Mission accomplished. So now that they know that they are targeted also, Lorraine. <laughs> Mondo just left the chat. That's amazing. <laughs> Lorraine goes to have the book translated by that creepy guy from earlier. And Deb goes to be with Arnie because it's going to be a rough night. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so back at the house. Patrick Wilson, I'm sorry, Patrick Wilson is tracking it with the research assistant on the map and they find out that they thought one of the totems was from farther away, but it turns out they're all from the same area and if there's trains and water, they can rule out a bunch of different locations. I love how they're like trains, water, underground. It could be a, a cave. And I was like, yeah, obviously it's a cave. They, they're like yeah. talking about it like it's like some like brand new uh, information there. I think what they quickly figure out is that it's localized to that house that we've been to that's right on the water, also right by a train, and has a ton of satanic shit in the basement. Yeah, it's like in the one place they've set up in this movie as definitely the place that they're going to go to at the end. Right. Yeah. Is she living at home still? Is that what they're saying? I don't think she lives there. I think she's just using the tunnels for her altar. Yeah, I think it's because she grew up there. She knows about them and then knows that she has an easy access to creepy demonic shit in her dad's like basement. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they just they never at any point flesh out who this villain is, what they want, why they're doing it, what their motivation is. They're just like a faceless. Well, they're a nameless villain with unclear motives with no real reason to be doing any of this shit. Well, that's because, quote, the Satanists only agenda is chaos. Yeah, I feel like that's like, how they try to explain it away. But that's annoying. Yeah, because yeah. she's very prim and proper and very clearly adheres to this strict set of rules and is doing this for some unstated purpose. That's what I mean, where it's just like you can't say one thing. And then clearly show another. If you want them to be Satanists are all about chaos, give me fucking Robin Gecht. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. give me a fucking, like, Robin Gecht, who was the leader of the fucking Chicago Rippers, is the guy yeah. that was playing into what people thought Satanism was. Like, he was a guy who killed people and ate them and did all of this horrible shit in the name of Satan with a satanic altar filled with fucking decapitated, not decapitated, but cut off boobs in his fucking attic next to his Elvis uh, memorial, by the way, because he loved yeah. Elvis Presley. Like, that's the guy that I want to fucking see if you're trying to tell me the Satanists are full of chaos. Not like a librarian who would tell me to shut the fuck up, which is what we get in the movie, by the way. I don't know. I just, I was really mad that there's no actual reasoning for this villain and the one stated doesn't even match the villain type that they give us. I agree. I think the villain is the weakest point and I think they should have gone with the daughter died and she was like the ghost of a witch or something like that. I, 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 they're way better when they fight actual ghosts instead of people with special powers. Yeah, straight up, if they're trying to do a satanic panic thing, I think they should have given us like an 80s hair metal ass fucking like that kind of satanist. You know what I mean? Instead of this shit where it's like old uh, uh, archaic satanism. I don't know. It just seemed really stupid and off off point for what they were trying to sell. It's just like Ronnie James Dio in the caves under that guy's house. That's what I'm <laughs> saying, Holy time! You've been down so long in the midnight sea. He's directly under the waterbed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, we know that that's where they're going, but Lorraine is already there, 
Ed runs out of the house after her, but he forgets his pills. And he tells the research assistant, uh, tell the police to go there, whatever you need to tell them to get them there. This was my favorite part of the movie, by the way, is when they, they tell the guy, like, hey, you got to get the cops to show up at this house. And he's like, what do I tell them? And she's just like, any, or he goes, anything you got to do to make sure that they show up. And then later in the movie, the cops do show up, but they don't explain what he said to get the cops to get there, which while I was watching, it was like, what did you say that just made an entire cavalry of cops show up? And in my head, it's probably like he picked up the phone and was like, 911? A minority and then clicked it down and was just like, no, God. <laughs> no, God. I'm, no, I'm 100% sure he said there's a murder taking place at that house. They go see the old man with his throat slit and the woman who's like bent in half in the caves under the house and they immediately arrest Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying like they come in cavalry style, fucking sirens blaring, mm-hmm. everyone's there. So like before they even get there, they know that some shit is going down. Yeah. But they don't know what's going to go down because ed does the thing they do in every action movie where he's like you got to do this very important thing for me and the person's like can you give me any sense of reasoning that would help explain it to a normal person and then ed's like nope gotta go bye and then she <laughs> fucking pieces out so lorraine's already there the police are on their way to try and arrest whatever minority playing judas priest has shown up <laughs> it's me it's armando it's just mondo outside of the house like say anything style with a boom box over his head breaking yeah. the law breaking, breaking the, the law, law. <laughs> so lorraine's already in the house and she tells the priest she's like here's what's up here's what we figured out and he realizes in that moment that his daughter is probably the one behind it and he wasn't certain until now so he shows Lorraine where the tunnels are hidden and she makes her way into the tunnels just in time to hide from his daughter who shows up and like teleports behind him and slits his throat just like yeah freaky deaky she pulls up into the scene is just like hello papa it's been quite a number of years, Papa. And then he just fucking from the desk pulls out a gun and slaps it on the table and was like, so what are we going to do, huh? What are we going to do? And then she fucking, <laughs> that's when she fucking teleports behind and cheats. He's like, no, no, he was like, he, he pulls out the gun. And he's like, this priest believes in abortion. <laughs> I kick ass for the Lord. I did think it was bonkers that no one picked up that gun after he died. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, I don't think they knew it was there. Well, I mean, but the witch lady did who I wish we could call something other than that. But, you know, yeah. his daughter could have picked it up. Why, why shoot someone when you can put a spell on their husband and make them chase all them exactly. around the basement? Exactly. Also, I'm just going to go ahead and say this here. I don't care who you are. If you slice my throat from the back after teleporting behind me, I'm going to get, get on, on my, my knees, knees <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to knock you <laughs> So Ed arrives and he finds a hatch in the yard that leads to the tunnels and he sledgehammers through the lock and climbs in meanwhile Lorraine already in the tunnels finds the altar and tries to destroy it but she's not strong enough the creepy lady like orbs up behind her tackles her and tries to stab her in the eye but the connection goes both ways so Lorraine can see what the other lady can see and sees that there's a rock beside her she grabs it knocks her in the head and then she goes running through the tunnels meanwhile Ed tosses the sledgehammer down into the tunnel and drops down after it. He sees Lorraine running towards him, but it's not Lorraine. It's the creepy lady. And then pocket sand. (laughs) Yeah. Evil pocket sand. And that turns Ed into Wattrick Pilsen. So 
she sets Wattrick Pilsen loose in the tunnels to take care of Lorraine. Oh, I think we all want Wattrick Pilsen loose in our tunnels. You know what oh, I'm saying? Hell, <laughs> yeah. With that perfect dong, baby. Wattrick Pilsen can wild out in my tunnels. <gasps> so Oof. they go wilding out in the tunnels, and the creepy lady approaches the altar, lights the candles, and starts a, a ritual to try and make Arnie complete suicide. Yeah. So meanwhile in the prison, Arnie starts convulsing and the chaplain tries to exercise him, but he won't even do jumping jacks. <laughs> 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 meanwhile, we cut back to the tunnels where Wattrick Pilsen is taking a sledgehammer to every single load bearing beam in these tunnels. Yeah, he turned into whack trick Pilsen, if you know what I'm saying. He's like, ah. open concept! Uh, just like, tearing his way through. <laughs> I'm thinking bay windows! And just fucking smashing everything in sight. Meanwhile, oh, and at this point I was like, Lorraine, run toward the altar. Yeah. He's smashing everything. Fucking like trick him like Mario style and just move at the last second, get him to smash the altar. That's what I was thinking the exact yeah. same yeah. thing. Exactly. I mean, mm -hmm. that's more or less what happens. Kind of. No, she has, she has to use the power of love or whatever. Yeah, yeah, love conquers all or whatever. Actually, I was sitting next to uh, Kate and like she said, I bet the power of true love's kiss will break this spell. Oh. And it, that's exactly what happens. I was I was laughing so hard. Okay, but imagine if she had tried to kiss him and then he just sledgehammered her head. <laughs> sledgehammer. Yeah, they just fucking make out and, and Wattrick Pilsen just goes, <laughs> nice, open concept. And <laughs> I'm looking for an open concept relationship and then just smashes her to pieces. That's really funny. <laughs> I mean, he was apparently with a 17-year-old admin. You guys nailed it. Because it's a hammer. Uh, uh. They're just running through the tunnels, and he's like, so we're ghost hunters, and our budget is $2 million, and we want a place that's near the lake, but where you can also hear the train, but is upside down. And it's got to be very wet, because that is the one thing my wife saw in her dream. I mean, I'm telling you, Wattrick Pilsen could get up in my wet tunnel any day. Hell yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to jail, where... All of the lights and windows shatter and Arnie is convulsing and contorting and he pulls his hands out of the cuffs and then he does this like crazy contortion off the bed onto the floor which is covered in broken glass. Yeah. We cut back to our open concept mid-century ranch right <laughs> by the lake. And Wadrick Pilsen is just sledgehammering through walls without contacting the engineer or the city. And he's the third property brother. He is oh. the third property brother. <laughs> that's that's how they got them the police to show up so fast, by the way. They were like, This guy's making changes without a permit. And they were like, not at all. So she's like, Remember me, Wattrick Pilsen. And he remembers their first date. And is trying to fight his way out of Wattrick Pilsen. Yeah, because she's his gazebo. <laughs> Armando has left the chat. Armando turned his camera off. He is walking away. It is over. Hey guys, I think my internet Hey, did your date like that joke? I wrote that one down. <laughs> I was like, hey, what was that joke I made that you hated? 
<laughs> Gazebo. So we cut back to the prison where Arnie roars in Deb's face, and then we get this like freaky deaky contortion spider walk across the floor. Woof. Oh, yeah. Then he stands up and he ends up levitating and he has a piece of broken glass in his hand and he's holding it to his throat. We cut back to Watrick Pilsen, who's still having a crisis of conscience as to whether or not they should finish the basement and make it into a game room or a wine cellar. <laughs> My favorite part about that scene where he had the glass and he was floating was that woman came on the intercom again and she was like, are you going to clean that up? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, listen, man, I just work here. Like, I'm not I'm not getting involved in whatever's happening. She's in the background of that scene. And she's like, yeah, no, if you look in that, she is she and other guards are in the background of that scene. They're in the booth and they're just running. In, and one of them is just like, look at this shit. <laughs> just like pointing through the window. If I, if I was anywhere at work and someone levitated up, I would just been like, I ain't going out there. That's just like <laughs> I need a sick day. I'm going home. I, I need, need, I need yeah. to take a personal day, please. So we cut back to the jail where Deb is trying to pull the glass away. Then back to Watrick Pilsen, who's wrecking some statues that probably would have been worth some money if they would have had a garage sale. But finally, <laughs> Lorraine ends up under the altar, which like that should have been the first place you went. Yeah. And she just is like screaming, remember me? It was 9-11. We didn't know it was going to be, but it was the end of the movie. Mikey tricked us and it was a terrible movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Never forget. Romance in the pod. Remember me. Go listen to it right now. He he fights from the inside. He remembers he's her gazebo. And <laughs> she's like, she thinks our love is our weakness, but it's our strength. And I'm like, is it? I think his cane is his strength right now. And he comes back to being regular Patrick Wilson. He sledgehammers the altar, which almost kills Lorraine anyway, because it's a giant stone slab that falls over her head and she has to like barrel roll her way out of it yeah yeah was i watching a director's cut because when he smashed it for me he yelled marble countertops and just fucking (laughs) (laughs) and then she underneath was like quartz is more durable and better it's less porous he's like don't worry about it annabelle's gonna come through and clean this up (laughs) (laughs) get the crooked man to do it he can get in anywhere So Ed is all shaky because, you know, sometimes people need a couple minutes to recover. It's like a refractory period. So the evil lady comes back and she's got a knife as if she's going to attack them. But because they like sledgehammered the altar, it released Arnie and her curse is broken. And so they're like, your curse is broken. You promised the demon a soul. And the demon just like is like an unlicensed chiropractor going ham on her back. Just like (laughs) he literally like breaks her back in half. Yeah. He's like, you're holding a lot of tension in your hips. If I could just like spin your whole torso around. (laughs) Todd, he likes New York style people where you fold it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a bit for this. I really enjoyed I don't know if it was practical or not. I can't imagine that all of it was practical, but the the contortionist shit really got me. Like, it looked really good. It did, yeah. There's a lot of it in this movie, too. This is the most they've ever done. It had to be, some of it had to be CGI, because some of the stuff just did not look like, it looked real, but like, it didn't look possible. I think the kid was CGI. I think Arnie might have been real. Oh, man. I mean, they were clearly speeding up the camera. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I could see maybe they sped it up too fast to make it look sort of jumpy, but like, even at that, the angles looked impossible. Yeah, they were doing it, I think they were 
doing the trick with the you know speeding it up taking out a couple frames so it seems more jagged but like they still yeah regardless of cgi or practical and again it's a lot of it had to be cgi for the way that it looked it looked really fucking good yeah, her spun around just like drooling because her head is backwards yeah. in this scene. Her yeah. fucking her fucking spider that got hit with three sprays of raid body. Yeah, it looked <laughs> it looked really good. Like, her neck is full blown that scene in True Blood season three. And if you watch True Blood, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I did, but like it's like twenty years ago. <laughs> Says the guy who made a very obscure teenage mutant ninja turtles reference an hour ago. <laughs> Look, people know. Baxter Stockman. They don't know Sookie Stackhouse. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> so the demon claims her soul, and then she collapses like a dead body in an older video game. Yep. <laughs> and then they climb out of the tunnels just as the police arrive, and Ed's like, oh, I forgot my pills. And Lorraine is like, look what's in my locket. And she has a pill in her locket for him. The scariest part of the entire movie, the United States medical system. healthcare is a fucking nightmare that is the only part of this movie that's based on a real story yeah (laughs) so we cut to the courthouse where he gets charged with manslaughter instead of murder and ends up serving five years he and deb get and stay married according to the title cards on the movie and then ed takes that creepy satanic chalice into their room of haunted shit yeah he takes the devil's pimp cup yeah (laughs) devil's pimp cup (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he's like this room is so much cooler than that old guy's room like, they not- <laughs> his stuff was lame he should have burned it because it was so ugly look at this stuff he just had like weird dead animals and i'm over here with this creepy doll in the devil's pimp cup <laughs> and, and that's, that's the movie. movie so having seen the movie and talked about the movie what do you guys think give me some final thoughts what do you guys think about it stupid fucking movie yeah yeah i do but here's my thing and i agree with mikey if it was if it was not the warrens if it was just random people yeah if it was the laurens or anybody like any other name yeah i'm fully on board same it's entertaining as hell i don't like the satanic panic element of it i like obviously we could talk it to death but i don't love it it's worse because it's the the warrens i think for me but like it's entertaining enough. It's sh- there's some pretty cool shots in it. It shots cool. Some of the scares are pretty cool. There's that sweet sweet Pyrex action. So like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely the weakest of the 3, I think. I still mm-hmm. think 2 is the best. Hands yeah. down, Conjuring 2 is I think the best movie in the Conjuring universe, personally. The whole, yeah, the whole expanded Conjuring universe. I yes. agree. I think it's a pillar of what these movies should be that yeah. none of the other ones live up to. I feel like the best Conjuring movie was uh, Insidious. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we first met Wadrick Pilsen. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. That was Insidious 2. It was, Is yeah. where we first met Wadrick Pilsen. But I feel, I feel like we've said a lot of the stuff about how this movie is sort of disgusting in the sense that it uses real names and real people and then, like, glorifies two con artists that, like, just cashed in on and helped further... The satanic panic that literally sent people to jail for the crime of being different. And, you know, that is horrible. Outside of that, I think it's a well-made movie that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Do you guys want to go over some fun facts? Now, I will warn you because this movie is brand new. There's not a lot of production fun facts yet, but I did pull a bunch of facts from the real case that we can go through. Well, that's hit us with the fun facts page. True True crime, crime, fun fun facts. facts. 
Now, what they don't tell you in the movie is that the legal defense for demonic possession was actually dismissed on the grounds that it could not be proven. Yeah. So, like, they don't prove it in real life. Um, And he was convicted of first-degree manslaughter by a jury and given a 10 to 20-year sentence, and he only served five years and was released early due to good behavior. Now, there are a couple different stories of how the crime happened. But what most people agree on is that, yes, he was at an exorcism that Ed and Lorraine attended for a child, which is bad, not great. But then the actual murder doesn't happen for months afterward. And it was during a dispute with his landlord. Now, some people say it's a dispute over the landlord kind of roughhousing with Deb's younger sisters. Other people think it might have been over rent. Nobody really knows. And it actually happened out front of the kennel so it was like on the lawn and there were multiple witnesses what like wow yeah people saw it so while in prison his story was made into a television movie at the time very satanic panic and he got married to deborah and received his high school degree because he didn't have it yet because he was still basically a teenager now what they don't talk about in the movie is the fact that david glatzel the kid who was Uh, in the exorcism originally his older brother because there are multiple siblings some of which are not included in this movie specifically this one because he sued lorraine warren in 2006 saying that the demonic possession of his brother was a hoax created by her and her husband yeah and he has spoken out a number of times to papers and he basically says that it was like a living hell i had to move away from where we lived because I didn't believe in it. And he says that they concocted a phony story about demons as an attempt to get rich and famous or to protect their mythos, basically. And in the lawsuit, they also sued the publishing agency, William Morris, because there had been a quote based on a true story book written about the events by a man named Gerard Brittle, which also claimed it was demonic possession. Now, that suit was eventually settled and basically dismissed, but the book gets taken out of print as a result of the lawsuit. But part of the reason that he sued them and went after them so hard is because he and a lot of other people knew that his brother had struggled with mental illness for many, many years and was Uh untreated. And so he believed that they were capitalizing on his case for their own gain. Yeah. When he really, his brother probably had legitimate, you know, cases to receive treatment or, you know, not guilty, not guilty by reason of, you know, mental defect or whatever the the current nomenclature of it is, where he probably could have gotten a fair shake, but this all happens and it becomes this national news story. And now his brother is branded as the boy who was possessed. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that gets thrown out of court. They believe that he was uh, likely schizophrenic. Mm. I mean, that actually explains sort of what happened. Yeah. Like the Warrens didn't offer an explanation. They offered a narrative that made them money. Yeah, that would have been a Mm -hmm. way better movie, by the way. Just like the murder happens. That's where it starts. Courtroom drama as they start to like peel back the story of what's going on. And then they realize that like the real monster sometimes is just unchecked mental illness. And sometimes we need to mm-hmm. be yeah. better and and yeah. reach out and, and be more attentive. Yeah. It's just the healthcare system. Yeah. That's the- Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. We come full circle. Yeah. 
But those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for those awesome fun facts. Let's talk box office. So what do you think the production budget was for Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It? Obviously, it came out this year. I think it's big. Well, okay. Now, you guys need to remember, this is probably bigger than all of the other ones, but all the other Conjurings were under $10 million. So I think they, this is that's a, right. I do think this one has a bigger production budget. I think they wasted absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's also, I think that's why we lose the makeup. Because mm-hmm. I think that we're doing a lot more computer stuff. I think this definitely has a bigger budget, but it's not going to be crazy. I think this is about twenty million. Okay, oh, I'm gonna go twenty-five. So I'm gonna say like fifteen point four mil. So the production budget for the first Conjuring was what Paige said, twenty million dollars. The second Conjuring was forty million dollars. Oh shit! I was way wrong. I was thinking of something else. Clearly, you're thinking of Lee Wan L movies. I'm thinking of Insidious. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Of. Sorry, Lee Wan L is a master at making movies that look as as good as this movie on like a seven million dollar budget yeah uh but conjuring three was 39 million dollars so for a million less than they made the second one they made this interesting yeah. do we know when this was when it was filmed this was filmed partially during quarantine that's what i thought okay so this started production the uh, filming started on june 3rd 2019 and ended on august 15th 2019 interesting so it was it was not impacted by covid it, they did push the release because of covid but the production of it was not pushed so they did a like a, a teaser trailer thing where it was showing the making of it and they talked about filming it in quarantine so I don't know if they had to do reshoots. Yeah, or reshoots what. would have been during quarantine, so that yeah. may have made yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the yeah. principal yeah. production was finished on the around mid August. Okay. So this movie came out June fourth, so very very recently, as we've discussed, uh, and it was number one this weekend. The weekend it came out, it beat A Quiet Place two, that was number two this weekend. Uh, number three was Cruella. Number four was Spirit Untamed. And number five was Raya the Last Dragon. What do you think The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It made in its first weekend in theaters? I I mean, you've got limited capacity in your theaters. So that's something to consider. Mm. Because I feel like at full capacity, like if this was 2019, yeah. I think this thing cleared 100 mil its first weekend. But I think this time we're looking at like 40. Okay. 32? I'm going to say... 57. I feel like 57 is good for what I've been seeing at box office lately. All right. So domestic box office for this weekend, because it's only been out one weekend at the time we're recording this. It made $24 million domestically. Wow. I was so fucking wrong. I thought that box office was going to be way bigger. Mondo, you don't know how money you actually were. Internationally, it made $33.8 million, putting the worldwide box office total for its first weekend out at $57.8 million. You're money and you don't even know it, Mondo. What's up? That was a number I pulled out of my fucking ass. (laughs) Yeah, and you crushed it. All right, but that's your box office. All right, you want to do Scary Scale? Yeah, let's do that Scary Scale, Mikey. All right, Scary Scale listeners, a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film when we watched it at our live meetup things. Um, it's not a scale <laughs> of quality. It's just a scale of how scared we were. Uh, our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mondo, please go first. I said it yesterday, and I honestly like letting it ruminate more and thinking of how I was, especially because it's the scary scale, like how actually... Mm-hmm. scared i was while watching it this is not quality 
I gotta give it like a I gotta give it like a two, man. It wasn't scary at all. What do you think, Paige? I'm at a three, mainly because of the contortionism. Yeah. Like that was creepy creeps. There were one or two jump scares that got me more than usual, especially because they don't have the face paint. But honestly, what sells it for me is that fucking contortionist scene in the prison across the broken glass. Oh Oof. yeah. It would have been a one yeah. for me, but the waterbed took it, by the way. That's what Yeah, I think the <laughs> yeah. waterbed yeah. was the scariest. Mikey, what did you give it? I'm going to go ahead and give it a two. Oh, my God. I feel so out in the cold on this. It's it's definitely the least scary Conjuring. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Conjuring 2 is, like, terrifying, even on the rewatch. I do think it's the least scary of all three of them, but I would still give us a five on the scary scale for me because it's pretty scary, and we saw it in the theater, and I haven't seen a scary movie in the yeah. theater in years. I thought I was going to rank it a lot higher because I was in theaters and it was going to scare me more. Now I'm going to go see Quiet Place 2 and I think that's going to scare me shit. Yeah, that's what I, I want to see is Quiet Place 2 real bad. So this week, you guys made me watch The Conjuring 3. What are you guys making me watch next week? So next week, we will be watching Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. <laughs> Dream Warriors! It's my favorite. You mother. Fuckers. That's one of my favorite <laughs> movies, and you no one fucking it's called me. It's so fucking good. It it's so good. Spoiler alert, we've already recorded that episode. It is hilarious. I know it is. It's, it's, it's going to be great. Movie. I can't wait for that episode to drop. So your homework for next week is to get high on hypnosil and watch Nightmare on Elm Street 3, A Dream Warriors. So, Mondo, thank you so much for joining us here on The Horror Virgin. We appreciate it. You should tell people where they can find you and your content. Yeah, you can listen to me on uh, Cult Podcast, which is a show yeah. I do with Paige. Every week we cover a different cult or group of fanatics uh i also am the producer and one of the co-hosts on the funhouse podcast uh which is over on rooster teeth i'm also on a bunch of content over there so go check us out funhouse uh it's on rooster teeth you can get the app you can go to the website all of it's super fun got a bunch of really cool videos coming out um you can also follow me on instagram twitter and tiktok at mondo does stuff m-a-n-d-o does stuff yeah i drank four trulies and smoked a joint during this recording i don't know what you expect from me we're three <laughs> hours in i don't expect anything from you man i just appreciate your time and i love you so much yeah i've had a, <laughs> I've had a great time thank you so much for having me excellent so guys if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies check out romancing the pod where mikey page and i break down and make fun of romantic movies it's a lot of fun guys check it out if you want to follow us on social please do we are at horror virgin or online at horrorvirgin.com. if you want to follow us all individually you can do that as well page is at page wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm. than the regular mm -hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. 
If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. And literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome. Guys, check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick Nick B. Nick B, fun fact. Oh, yeah? He conceived his first child on a waterbed. (laughs) That actually checks out. He is of the age that that may very well be true. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Good to know. This episode also brought to you by Ori. Ori. They spread pictures of this weird little trinket we found under a house uh, to all of the police stations in town. Oh, and they they really helped us break the case. Yeah. Yeah. By taking Polaroid pictures of demonic things, I guess. Do you guys want to see my Polaroid picture of a demonic thing? (laughs) No. I really do not. This episode also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you some awesome possum facts. So here's one for you. Possums were actually behind the satanic panic. (laughs) That checks out. Yeah. They're so small they can get in there and like. Who do you think dug those tunnels? Exactly. The possums did it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This episode also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business, and Brandon's Bug Business is also called Bug Cage Company on Facebook. So if you have any spider, scorpion, centipede, millipede, or any other peed that you might have mill a need, like if you have the need, the need need for for peed. The need for Mm -hmm. peed. Go to Bug Cage Company on Facebook, and they will ship you some bugs. This episode also brought to you by Taco Cat, and Taco Cat wants you to check out his podcast, What's the Totem Shaking at You, Which Wise? (laughs) Well, it's actually Mm -hmm. called What's New, Barkeep? Whoa, 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 whoa. Where each week they talk super nerdy shit like D&D and like anime probably and like some of that very, very nerdy stuff or like more pop culture type stuff like Marvel movies and stuff like that. But each week they try a new alcoholic beverage. So check out What's New Barkeep on any podcast app. This episode is brought to you by the letter Jeff. And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down a new episode of uh, Jessica Jones, the Netflix Marvel TV show. We now return you to another episode of uh, The The Patreonicals. Look, I don't know if these are in the right order anymore, so... That's what's so good about it, Mikey. It's like memento. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think everybody awoke in a new world uh, on Earth. That's not where we are. They're not going to hear that for another two episodes, Mikey. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure last time they were on their way to the center of the galaxy. That That's where they were going. Okay, so back on Earth, Sasha's baby has come out, and it's evil, of course. I mean, naturally, and- yeah. <laughs> so just the way you said that. Just, Sasha's baby has come out, and it's evil, of, of course. Because <laughs> why the fuck wouldn't it be? You know, they're all fighting down there on earth and uh the baby makes its way towards evil matthew and uh imprints on evil matthew another evil being (laughs) so matthew is still evil yeah oh i don't know where we are anymore (laughs) so the baby i don't know how bad to get here so the baby's fighting i'm sorry the baby was just born 
and it's already fighting? It's evil. Yeah, I think I've already evil, been over that. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but evil Matthew like is learned to love because he loves that little baby. <laughs> of course he does. It's evil. He's evil. That makes sense. It's like when you multiply two negatives, it makes a positive, I guess. Yeah, and Eddie is, uh, he is, in char- he's like programming the evil half koala robots to attack everybody. Uh, Scott is a thing. He's just bashing shit up, and uh, he throws Dave, but Dave accidentally, oh my god. <laughs> Dave accidentally nicks evil Matthew, and evil Matthew drops the baby. Oh no. Everything's okay, but he starts crying a lot. And well, Evil yeah. Matthew starts crying too. And then uh, Isaac is like, What are you doing, Evil Matthew? Like, I thought you were like cool and evil, but you're not acting in like any of those things. You're not acting cool or evil. Yeah. Dave actually flies off and get like, he gets um, a space python goes into his mouth and into his body and like explodes him from the inside. He died. Okay. So um, <laughs> you're just like, very nonchalant about one of the grossest deaths that's happened on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. So Kate, uh, <laughs> she, she, she makes a space psychic bubble around everyone, and but the baby runs off away from them back towards Sasha, and she looks down and it, it drops a grenade and like it explodes. Everybody's okay, but uh, everybody's kind of hurt by it. It's just real weird. Right. It does sound real weird. It was real weird. Okay, so then in space, they're headed toward the, the the center of the galaxy, and they see just a big sign, but it's like a neon sign that's like, you're almost there, but it, <laughs> it, it has a test. It's like, you have to be tested. Oh, and, okay. Uh, they mm. stop, and uh, Amy, who's flying Tristam, uh, Tristam, he retracts the wings, because it was like, it, the, the test was like, do a, a loop-de-loop without energy. And so he retracts the wings a little bit, and Amy helps him design a better spaceship. They have a space sail. Yeah. Yeah. A solar sail. Yeah. Yeah. And then Domosaurus, he uh, has his Tyrannosaurus space helmet on, and his little hands are holding the, the mast. And um, He's outside. Yeah. <laughs> and then Karun uh, <laughs> is just... Uh, He's feeding the engine more coal because it's a coal powered out of the coal cart. He's just wow. Feeding this is it a very energy. steampunk space shuttle. Space shuttle, yeah. But then Amy's like, "We just told him it's coal powered. Karun's kind of worthless." And then so like <laughs> <laughs> that blue idiot. So then the neon sign lights up and it says, "Welcome to the center of the galaxy." The gates open, but there's only blackness inside, and they fly through. And that's the end of the episode. Well, I guess we'll have to tune in next week to see what happened. When we recorded that episode before this one. Who knows? These are going to be all out of order, man. They're going to be crazy. Who who knows anymore? So tune in next week to see what happens on uh, The The Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. And you can... Nope. Keep it ooky spooky. To completion. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great week. Bye! Watrick nerds!